this summer we're bringing you double Koi gig. I think the amount of high scoring has been a surprise to me because I thought that the teams were closer than what they are, but the powerhouses seem to still be the powerhouses. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating right, bar. Plus seven Wednesday morning, Johnny's here. Johnny, how are you? Good morning, Joe. How are you? We're going to talk about Chamac Rovers in a moment, but before we do, it's All Ireland final week. Owen is gone. He's just we've just he's gone. He we've replaced Kerry with Galway in studio today. Yeah, where is Owen? Just he's on the circuit, is he? Yeah. The chicken and chips. It's he's uh, he's stitching the seeds of his future political career into the. The crevices of the country. Yeah, he's um, he's he's going to be in for a hell of a battle on Sunday. I think it's building up nicely. A lot of good coverage in the paper today. Um, what if you don't show up? Surely you have that fear. Galway. Surely, yeah, surely you you do have a fear that you might be the backdrop to the concerto that is the coming out party for the greatest footballer of all time. Because mm. that's what we're talking about. We he has the potential to be the greatest footballer of all time. That's what we're talking about with Clifford. Yeah, he's like he does that far down the line. He does. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting for Galway to see what they do with the Kerry attack in general. Um, but interestingly, I see in the Irish Daily Mail today they they had the best fifteen uh, players, which is quite an interesting from the two teams put together. And combined it was fifteen, eight and seven. Yes, hell, hell of a team now. Um, eight and seven. So uh, outfielders actually is seven each. So um, that gives you, gives you an impression of the, the quality that Galway have. The two Cliffords in it. Uh, obviously um, Galway's two marquee forwards there as well they've kind of fitted in Paul Conroy into the half forward line to kind of solve a problem there David Moran gets in so that's interesting as well um, it's going to be it's going to be amazing I think it's going to be and, and everyone I speak to in Galway seems to be very very hopeful everyone I speak to outside of Galway thinks Kerry will win uh, what's the ticket scramble like? not bad actually um, everybody got tickets it seems like everybody being away on holidays when the All Ireland final is on is good for the ticket hunter. Yeah, well, the ticket there were tickets available for the hurling like two hours beforehand on Ticketmaster, which was I've never I never remember anything like that. I think the cost of living is definitely um, having some sort of an influence. And if you do, if you are um, living in Dublin, don't be afraid to put up like a, a bed for somebody in you know that may want to stay Saturday or Sunday night because it's extremely expensive in Dublin. How many do you have staying with you? Um, two at the moment, sister and fourteen by the end of it. Yeah, we've got. Uh, I was yeah, like, like a, a J one gaff in San Francisco. Yeah, I've. Uh, I'm getting a bit old for that now, but at the same time, um, I haven't actually partied after any of the football or hurling games really this year. So maybe Sunday could be the the breakout. Who knows what'll happen? I'm going to turn down any work on Monday that I'm offered anyway. Well, what if you win? Well, exactly. You'd, no, but you'd want to. You'd want to be wandering around telling everybody how great you are. No, uh, it's strange to be. It's strange to be back after twenty-one years for Galway. It's, it's um, football has moved on an awful lot since two thousand and one. But I guess the fundamentals are the same. The, um, the game will probably be decided by which of these marquee forwards is more of an influence. Interesting. I think it was mentioned in the one of the pieces I read today that I think Shane Walsh has only scored like one six or one seven from play this year in the championship. He's been. Um, he was brilliant obviously in the Connacht final but he is so um, tightly marked that uh, his actual scoring rate isn't that high but we'll see how he performs I didn't think he had a great semi-final I thought that, you know, Derry marked him very well I think he and uh, Finnerty will have a better game on Sunday and we'll probably need to well, they absolutely need to if mm. you're going to win it. You're feeling relatively confident though. Yeah, time, right? I think what, what I feel with Galway is that they've come through um, two games where they were you know 
holding on or kind of came through difficult situations obviously the the Mayo game and the Derry game I thought or sorry in their Mar game I thought in the Derry game their composure was good because in the first half they'd only scored a point after about half an hour and they they hadn't really been in this situation before playing All-Ireland semi-final they might have uh, had to deal with some doubts but they didn't they just looked um, I think the Keane O'Neill influence was it's 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 a factor in some of the articles today there's um, good piece in the star I think about about Keane O'Neill and the role he's had and I think it's uh, quite humbling of Porrick Joyce to say and I always like a manager um, who says that you know he needed he needed a bit of help or he needed to evolve on the job and I think Joyce has said this I needed a bit of help and Keane O'Neill has been a great help to me SNC coach has been a great help and I think you see with um John Kiley and Limerick's success delegation is very important it's not all about the manager at all at all yeah especially oh. now obviously and you're obviously a big Keane O'Neill fan well, I, I think that it's really unfortunate that he's not involved with Kildare at some level I know obviously people will say well he had his chance at the big job but like I'm sure it turns out there's loads of roles within a backroom team that he could have been important and I, I definitely feel like we're missing something like that director of football style yeah. to oversee everything from the under 12 development squads all the way up to the senior team but mm. um, he's living in Limerick now which is well, he's, um, he's based down there so it's, yeah, it's obviously Galway's not the worst um, spin from head of sport in one of the universities mm. um, uh, Rick Jagger says thanks be to Johnny Ward and then the little praying emoji so you're obviously you've become a spiritual figure in, in Rick Jagger's life morning Rick um, yeah it's uh, it's 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 uh, been a strange kind of strange morning getting up because when it was when I when I saw the sunshine I was like oh I'll cycle in and it's actually gotten about 20 degrees colder or feels that anyway. yeah but uh, it was still really hot like it, it was actually the, the, well, cycling in now it was actually it's quite it's not warm at all it's like there's the cold breezes I there cycling in a t-shirt this morning what time? 6.30 yeah by well it's it, 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 like I, I struggle I've been struggling to sleep now the last few nights with the, that dead heat no one's sleeping mm. everyone's a bit narky and a little bit strung out which is not what you want in the week of an all Ireland final. No. You well, want a little bit of rest. Less, less hard and less emotional. Well, did you see um, Nicky Quaid when in the warm-up Sunday? Like, he was like he was really struggling to, like, just pour the... Like, to wipe the sweat off his face. He took off the helmet and... Um, I didn't hear much back after the game, but how did they find the, the heat, the players? It looked... Wearing helmets looked very tough. And in the Tour de France, how they're... How they're cycling up hills in this heat in France is just, I think it's borderline inhumane what they're doing. Um, but, you know, they're doing it and they're in the Pyrenees today, I think. So very, very tough, hilly uh, climb for them today. I think the weather just might be turning a bit there as a well. cooler at the top of the mountain, maybe? Yeah, that's... Well, there is that as well. Like, so it's it's funny when you're cycling, as you know, Ger, when when you're going sort of fast into downhill you know the the air just kind of cools you down but like climbing in conditions like this is torture absolute torture and has it been a vintage Tour de France? yeah so Vingegaard is Jonas Vingegaard has wrestled favourite from uh, Pogacar who would have been the favourite Pogacar one of the stages last week he just uh, he, he was smiling at the camera about 10k out but I think that was I don't know was it that day or the day before where they finished with like sort of a 10k finish and an incline of about 10%, like, which is just animal. And Pogacar just um, faded on that stage, so he's been sort of um, trying to catch Vingegaard ever since. There's a bit of cat and mouse with him, and he's had issues with his teammates um, crying off as well. So uh, I think they're at stage, I think they're at 16 or 17 today, which is into the Pyrenees. Very, very tough finish. Um, the last sort of 65k have three or four category 
uh, one climbs I think on them so it'll be it'll be a tough tough day today and I just hope for their sake the heat is down a bit it's been um, bad bad week but not too late to tune in if you want to get no, on board the no not at all and I, I think as I've said this before I, I work from home a lot I love having it on the background and you hear Sean Kelly and the guys having the crack and just talking about their experiences of, of the tour and um, even though obviously it's it's spread out over like several hours there's actually quite a lot going on at times and you, you see some mad breakaways and just the the, the um, is it the toughest sport in the world? God, I think, I think the Tour de France is very oh my yeah. god like I mean if you cycle it all and you do five minutes of, of a tough workout and then you think that they do this for hours in 40 degree heat and much much uh, more energy given I don't know well the, the recovery from falls as well it's like mm. oh yeah I broke my collarbone I, was, I, I, mm. I cycled on well, and and they'll do some monumental effort one day and literally do it again the next day. But I do wonder the Tour de France. Um, I mean, if we have a situation, if this is going to become the norm in terms of these the summer that we've had, I don't think you can continue cycling going forward in that weather. I I, I think it it'll cause serious problems for cyclists because it's just uh, it's not normal. And uh, I, it'll be interesting to see what the feedback is from the riders in the tour. Like how you climb. Um, for hours in 40 degree heat and you've then you've issues with having to um, rehydrate obviously you have to get your team to give you water um, and I mean I don't know I, I know some of the riders are struggling I don't think there have been um, any serious injuries from it but I don't know if that's sustainable going forward and I, I've saying this to a few people this week like there will be parts of uh, Europe now where people are dreading the summer basically because if it's going to be 40 degrees all the time and nobody that. wants that and fire and right fire. Uh, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock this morning at 7.40 Sue Rowan is going to join us in 15 minutes to talk about the uh, Euros reaching the quarter final stage it looks like football's coming home Andy McIntyre at 10 past 8 is going to join us in studio to talk about the Antrim job and preview the Ireland football final look at sports pages and news uh, sports news from John Duggan uh, Lee Keegan's coming in at 8 50 uh, Barry John Keane at 10 past 9 and John Bruin is going to talk about the um, the scramble that has been uh, Manchester United's summer transfer policy in particular around their uh, desire to get Frecky Young from Barcelona we should talk about what happened with Sean Rovers last night um, another chastening night for Irish football in Europe where we're the, the technically superior Eastern European team like this is the narrative that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s Mm. you'd wake up and you'd hear about the 3-0 defeat that an Irish team suffered in European football or 5-0 or 7-0 and it would always be like oh they're technically superior and like oh, that's a bit cliche isn't it but yeah. were they technically superior yeah, or were well, they, they just were just vastly superior like Ludogorets in fairness they've dominated Bulgarian football um, they've made a, made a habit of qualifying for the Champions League or the Europa League group stages so that would put them ahead of Shamrock Rovers who haven't under Stephen Bradley been to the group stages of any of the competitions yet and the Champions League is obviously the one that realistically it's it's asking a lot in terms of the resources of Ludogorets um, they're backed by a billionaire um, not that Rovers aren't as well in terms of Dermot Desmond but Rovers wouldn't have their resources um, just like a lot would have been made of the third goal that they conceded because 2-0 they, they lost 2-0 in Bratislava last year and they made a real real fight of it in Tala went 2-0 up and um, like gave, gave a really good count themselves so at 2-0 you're thinking you know full house in Tala next week maybe they'll do something um, and a lot was made of the third goal because Lee Grace gave the ball away in a, in a like I think we're talking the fourth minute of injury time it was just Risk versus reward. I mean, it was just a mad, mad goal to give away. And there were a couple of goal mode scrambles and they scored from both of them, Ludogorets. 
But at the same time, I think we should be realistic. If they were 2-0 down, I mean, the chance of them going through, there are no away goals, which is a help. But even at 2-0, Ludogorets are a good side. Like, they're a good side. They'd, they would, like, be comfortable enough, I think, against much better opposition than Shamrock Rovers. And I think they would have been able to up the gears in the second half. The, the concern for Rovers and the regret that they'll have is that Jack Byrne uh, didn't play. He's obviously not fully fit. Graham Burke came on for Dylan Watts after about 65 minutes and made them a million times better than they were in the first half. Danny Mandroyu has left. So these marquee players that you need at this level either are gone or weren't available. Um, and they gave away two goals in the first half. They gave them a, a mountain to climb. The second half they did much better. But it is a kind of a, you know, it will spark that debate again about the, the levels of the League of Ireland in terms of what Sean Rovers are facing week in, week out. Because, being honest, they don't face anything like this. Um, has the gap closed? Is the summer football getting better? Or has the difficulty been that uh, the quality of the football here has improved and so therefore we've become a great recruitment ground for lower tier teams in English football? Like it's a, the double-edged yeah. sword is that we got much better but that has just meant that a lot of our best players now leave. Yeah, I, I don't really have an issue with players leaving to go to... I mean, I don't have an issue with them leaving but it's a no. fact... No, I don't. I don't have quality of the team. I don't think. I mean, this might sound um, counterintuitive, but I think it's it's a it's it's at one level damaging to the league when you lose players like Dara Burns and Danny Mandroyu and um, Promise Omasher. These are players that are effectively going to League One teams. On the one level, that's bad. But on the other level, League One is big and it's bigger than the League of Ireland. And it's. uh, I think a lot of English clubs now see that there's talent in Ireland. And if you want to develop players in Ireland, and they they see England as the next step up the ladder, that's fine for the time being. We're we're you know we're certainly in, in transition. We're still a league that's trying to better itself and do better um, over the next few years. But it's it's difficult to match the resources that they have in in leagues where you know some teams get like forty thousand at their games. So you know the, the 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 English tiers tiered structure is still attractive to Irish players to go over there, see can they build up the ladder and. Fortunately, it is a bit of a um, product of the success that the Irish uh, clubs have had. That's yeah, they they are wanted in England, and with the Brexit situation, they're obviously not going over to the Rettino. now. Yeah, and and they're going uh, all around Europe as well. Mm. I, I guess um, we haven't seen the fruits of the improved football in European terms just yet, or the fruits of summer football in European terms. Ah, no, we would have like definitely, but like I think what 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 probably we don't understand much in Ireland is that other other leagues are definitely improving as well. So like you have to. If the League of Ireland had stood still 15, 20 years ago, um, it'd be in a bad state now because, like, you're coming up against teams. But it probably went backwards 15 years ago. Like, 15, it went backwards after the implosion of the, the crash yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. 15 years ago with shells in. Uh, but these were, in fairness, these were clubs that were spending beyond their means, to borrow Charlie's phrase. And uh, they obviously, then there was a hit. And, you know, they're, they're, I think the league suffered badly. But it's like when you talk, talk about Dundalk's European run, Shamrock Rovers getting to the group stage of the Europa League before them. But even Bohemians' performances last year, they're some very good um, very good green fruits green shoots but you do need to keep improving and Shamrock Rovers last night it's a reminder of where we need to go because they were well beaten like let's be honest they were well beaten and you can make excuses for players not playing playing all that but they'd hardly any chances XG would probably suggest 3-0 was fair enough and it's a reminder that you've a long long way to go Shamrock Rovers are dominating Irish football but last night in Bulgaria they were well beaten and that's where we're at There's a good piece today I think it might be Mark McCadden I'm not sure has it uh, with Zach Albazetti um, talking about his his time in with AIK mm. uh, in Stockholm 
and it's like players like that if they were all playing in the League of Ireland you would have a team that could compete mm. last night is that fair? Um, yeah well in fair, like Elba said he was playing in the in the League of Ireland and he did well um, but again like he's young and he was playing for the 21 so he took a you, you mentioned the European route not many would have gone to Scandinavia but he did go that route but I mean there's no there's no real way like that the Irish teams can hold on to these players going forward um, at the moment. We just need more money in the league and that's going to take time. Um, you can, Shamrock Rovers pay their players quite well but the lure is always going to be there to go and try at a higher level and Sweden is a higher level than the League of Ireland so um, that's why El Bozzetti is there and Maybe it's you know a lot of a lot has been said about the modest fee that uh, Fleetwood apparently are playing are paying for Promise Oma share, um, but again, I mean, you know, you, you factor in sort of add-ons and um, sell-ons in in these deals, and there isn't much else you can do. If the player wants to go, the player wants to go, and England will still be that lower. Okay, so what are your expectations for the rest of the, the League of Ireland teams for the European season? Yeah, so um, Pat start off their uh, conference their uh, conference league campaign on Thursday. Derry City, I thought, were very disappointing. They went out four 0 and a lot has been made about um, their performance under Rory Higgins. Riga were good, but they were nowhere near Ludogorets, and they lost four 0 in aggregate. Thought they were very poor. Sligo Rovers absolutely limped in. Um, they were really poor against Bala Town who they should be beaten and they've got not, Motherwell next they've got Motherwell which that'll be very interesting I think they might um, you know they might feel that they got out of jail which they did against Bala Town but again this is the whole thing Ger. They they beat Bala Town because of their goalkeeper Ed McGinty who's now leaving um, so they have to you know start again I think they'll, they'll do better against Motherwell um, Pat's one is kind of hard to know but I think for Rovers Rovers real level this year is not the is not the Champions League it's like the Europa League playoff that they'll likely play next or the conference uh, playoff which they'll they'll be in a playoff to get into the conference group stages and that's like worth about 3 million quid I think and that's realistic I it's asking a lot of them to be Ludogorets who've like literally been consistently in the group stages when Shamrock Rovers aren't in group stages at all. All right, okay. Rick Jagger says, sleep with an ice pack between your legs. It makes a big difference, lads. I was cycling in Cork on Sunday, Saturday morning and uh, stopped off in a shop in Coachford, I think. And like literally just bought a bag of ice and put it between my legs. And as I was leaving, gave it to the these other cyclists who'd arrived and they were delighted with themselves. It was very, it was getting very hot. And the ice was, oh, the ice pack. There's nothing. Is there a better feeling than ice on a, on a warm day? Uh, yeah, no. Okay. No, I'm in. Do you try the cold hot water bottle? What do you do? I, I, I I'm, I'm outside the covers pretty much all year anyway. And this year, obviously, what I noticed last night was like, I was in bed for 10 minutes um, just reading and I was sweating. Like I was literally, I hadn't moved and I was finding very uncomfortable outside the covers. I'm sure you all want to hear this. There you go. Uh, ice between the legs. What do we do about air? Like are, are we going to need aircon in house in Ireland now going yes. forward? Yes, I mean it's fairly obvious it's all coming right. You, the, the situation in Britain where their rail system isn't actually built for heat so they had to just cancel trains which is understandable because like Britain does not experience 40 degree heat until now. Where are we going with this? Uh, well, we all know where we're going. We're all pretending we don't know where we're going, but we are. No, we do know where we're going. Jack O'Connor is in all the papers today, talking mm. about how he's fortunate because he's retired from his day job and it's now effectively a, a semi-professional gig. You need you need to be at it full time. Strong rumours swept the country last night that Brian Cody was going to retire today. By the way, so we're keeping a close eye on that this morning. But he's also a man who is now no longer teaching um, and has retired too. Do you have to be? Is that is that? Is that what we're saying? That you need to be a, you own your own business, 
and so therefore be able to somehow manage your own resources uh, or can you work and be an inter-county manager? I'd say it's I'd say I, what Jack said you could completely uh, see what he's saying there it's practically professional without being professional um, and I mean we had uh, Andy Moran on who's the Leitrim manager and with all due respect to Leitrim you know your expectations there are are nowhere near what you would get in Kerry but he was basically saying that yeah, it's, it's all encompassing and there's there's very little time and um, no wonder uh, that you know being retired helps I don't know how, I think Jack's point was that you can't do both um, you can't do both jobs as in a, a day job and an inter-county manager job to the best of your ability and I would imagine that's 100% true um, it is obviously the elephant in the room in, in Gaelic games is the whole managerial situation but it's a hell of a hell of a demanding job and as Jack says there and spoke about McEntee and all that um, you know you, you do you do have to put up with a lot of pressure a lot of criticism social media and so on and so forth and um, it's challenging and it's it's a full time job pretty much Um. Not particularly sustainable. No. And you're not going to get a very diverse range of characters in the end who are doing these jobs. Mm. Like, you're going to just end up with the same cohort of people mm. or people from the same walk of life and background who are doing it. Yeah. And Unless we professionalise it, but obviously nobody, nobody wants professionalism, do they? I mean, maybe we do. Yeah. I, I don't know, like... I don't know, I, I still, you, you'd wonder how attractive the job is, particularly in those counties who have no chance of winning the All-Ireland, and they might play like a provincial game, there'll be a couple of thousand people at it, they lose out in the, in the, you know, there isn't even necessarily that much interest in a lot of these counties uh, day to day, and they have uh, you, they, they have to travel and so on and so forth. Their hope is that the Talton Cup mm. addresses some of that. Which and, I think it will. And the, the scenes from the Westmead players celebrating their mm. victory I think is more important than anything else that happened they obviously valued the competition and uh, that that's enough to and so did Cavan like it was no I, I, I think it's, it says uh, you know we will have Lee Keegan on but I, th- I thought he spoke brilliantly about for somebody who always dined at the top table how much it meant to him just to be able to watch the Talchon Cup and uh, I, I feel there are no, an awful lot of inter-county players um, you saw Loud's resurgence this, this year like you get a great kick out of that and you see small hurling counties doing well I think a lot of people get a great kick out of that than seeing the same teams all the time and there are very good players out there and they need you know they need that kind of showcase to be able to show it like Yeah now the other aspect to all this is that um, David Herity was on yesterday saying the split season's great because you can give you can give inter-county management your all mm for six to eight months and then you know you've got four months of not downtime but like relative yeah yeah. you know your job is to go and watch the club scene and read and learn and recharge so maybe that whole full time thing is a little bit overblown because I mean it's obviously been full time for him since he got it but now he's going to have essentially six months before they, they're back training again mm. yeah that, that's that's fair enough we had Jeff Linsky in doing the game on Sunday Um it was. Uh, I thought he was brilliant, actually. Like I hadn't really um, heard him do much in the media before, but he he's manager Lee Mellows now. They start in the championship, I think, in two weeks, and he was really extolling the the fixture list. He said, "This is great. Like it's it's um, we're in July, and we can kind of focus on the club now and all that." And uh, I think I know there's been a lot of flack, and I think the crowds have been hit for a myriad of reasons. One of them probably is the, the quick turnaround in games. I think some people aren't really able to afford or unwilling to afford come to games quick succession. And I think there have been issues there. Like it was amazing that you could get tickets for the Alarm final on the day. But the fixture list, I, I think a lot of people at the club level, and bear in mind club level is dominates Gaelic football. That's where most people play, the vast majority. I think they're fairly happy with things. All right. Just to go back to the game at the weekend, uh, give, me your, give me your prediction now. We're going to 
stick you to it keep you to it very close that's not that's not a prediction that's like a all way mm. what are you thinking I think that we're going to see the coronation of the king David Clifford his coming out party his uh, signature performance on the cards I think that's there's a possibility the game's over at half time ah stop Ger. I do I do I think that there's like and it's not, nothing against Galway it's just that Kerry have been coming for three seasons like they've been coming since the All-Ireland final where they drew against the greatest team of all time and then just l- narrowly lost the replay and then had the shock defeat the following year and then had a shock defeat last year where if they'd got over Tyrone if Clifford hadn't got injured I think they would have beaten Tyrone yeah I'd agree with you there they then, fell over the line against a Dublin team that is without Conor Callaghan and is definitely not the team it was um, and Galway I think if you look at the form lines Galway have beaten um, apart from I mean if you look at the Mayo kind of collateral form Kerry should win Armagh Kerry would be beaten Armagh Kerry would be beaten Derry I just think Galway are full of confidence. I think they've no I hope you're, fear. I, look, I hope you're mm. right and I hope that we do get a, a proper game. Shades of 98 now in the Senate, without bringing it up, Shades of 98 because Galway were 3-1 to one outsiders to beat Kildare, I think, but everyone in the county seemed to, from what I remember, there was great belief in the county and it's quite similar now where everyone in the county, everyone I speak to in Galway is very, very confident of uh, they're going to do well. Yeah, um, I do think the misplaced. difference now is that uh, your best players will be marked Mm. There will be someone whose job it is to <laughs> stop them. Doing John Bannon won't give a controversial free against McCormack for uh, charging by Divley. Um, I always remind him of that when I see him at Roscommon races. I think he gave us a soft enough free that day. And, um, it was a turning point. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, it, it, that was the turning point in the game. But do you remember, do, do you know, I, I suppose the, the one thing, there was so much hype in Kildare at that time. Um, I, do you remember how mad that summer was? Kildare were finally going to win All Ireland. I think in Kerry, like, they've so much going on in Kerry between tourism and everything else. They're always just chilled out. It's not going to get to them. They're not chilled out. The uh, rumor mill is in overdrive. They're, they're, like they're relaxed. They don't even go to the game until the, the final. The rumors are that like a load of lads had COVID and that a load of lads were injured and that a load of lads were fighting with each other and that, that the constant <laughs> explosive uh, hype. Yeah. Um. And uh, and then it turns out actually it looks like everybody's going to be fit and available for selection after the bumps and bruises as Jack would say yeah, yeah. right OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day uh, we're turning our attention to the women's Euros with the quarter final starting tonight as England play Spain I'm delighted to say we're joined in the line now by the former Republic of Ireland manager Sue Ronan to talk through the four matches Sue good morning to you how are you getting on how are you how are you keeping good yeah um, the f- I don't know is it a fear really anymore I think probably it's really good for the women's game if England do win this competition particularly given a lot of our best players are going to end up playing league football with them next season um, but there's a few hard games for them to navigate and the Spanish team who stand in England's way tonight um, might put it up to them Yeah I, I, look I definitely think to answer your first question I definitely think it would be good for the game if England uh, win the tournament I think it would be good for us here um, it would definitely have a knock on effect um, we have many of our players playing in the league over there, as you know, and I suppose that's the first port of call for many of them looking to go professional. It's close by. It's um, there's no language barriers. You know, it's close to home. No food barriers. All those type of things, and it's the best league in the world. More importantly, but going back to the second question, I mean, they have been by far the strongest team 
in the in the competition so far and it's been a fantastic competition um records have tumbled on and off the pitch you know there's been record high attendances numbers of goals scored um numbers of, of searches on, on website number of attendances all that type of thing but more importantly the football the football has been absolutely superb i mean it's gone up a level every major tournament we're seeing it go up a notch and um England are certainly the, the front runners in that or the leaders in that. And yes, they have a tough game, a tough quarterfinal against Spain. Um, Spain play a different style of football. They play the typical Spanish, you know, short, uh, small, intricate passing, very Barcelona style. Um, many of their players actually play for Barcelona, but they've struggled to score in this tournament. Um, and they're missing two of their key players. They're missing Hermosa, who's their out and out number nine, and the Ballon d'Or player, Patelas, their number 10, uh, both injured just before the tournament. So they're huge losses to them. But, you know, watching them, I watched them live against Germany and Germany were just so clinical against them and ruthless. Two chances and they were 2-0 up in no time. Uh, Spain probably had a lot of the ball, most of the ball that game. But they, they didn't really penetrate the final third. You know, it was, as I mentioned, all that, that short, sharp passing. We're going lateral across the pitch. So I can't really see them hurting this England team. I think England have too many goals in them. They can score from anywhere. They can spring players from the bench who are really performing just as well as the, the starting 11. Um, England are going to have a huge crowd, a noisy crowd. They're, they're on a high. So, yeah, for me, I think England are going to win this game. Is there any concern that England haven't quite been tested by the opponents that they faced yet? I mean, they should have been, but it turns out they were too strong for their opponents so far. Yeah, for sure. They absolutely, they haven't been tested defensively. I mean, they've scored, they, they beat Norway 8-0 and that was the game I suppose everyone thought they were going to be tested in. Um, they struggled a little bit more against Austria. It was only 1-0 and Austria did go at them, you know, put it up to the merry doors. Um, and then they beat Northern Ireland well. I think the centre of the defence for me has been a bit soft over the years. You know, that's been their Achilles heel. Um, they're so good in midfield. Their top four or five players are so good. As I mentioned, you could play any any player there. You know, one four could play this game and another four from the bench could play the next game and they, they'd be equally as strong and equally as good. And they're scoring goals from everywhere. So they haven't been tested. Um, so what way they'll set up, I'm not really sure. You know, Spain will go go at them anyway. Spain won't sit in and, and sit in the defensive block and, and hope to catch them on the counter-attack. That's not the way they play. Um, whereas, you know, when England are defending, they're quite likely to be able to catch Spain on the, on the counter because that's where teams have been catching them and that's where Germany caught them. Um, but yeah, yeah, pardon me, they haven't been tested. So it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that. But I, I do just think they're getting stronger and more confident as the tournament's going on. It's going to be a good, um, very good kind of advertisement of the game as well, this. For sure. It really is. And as I said, when you look at the level of football and, and the way it's been played, I mean, Lauren Hemp, who plays wide, and normally wide on the left, but she can switch to wide on the right. She's only 21 years of age and she's won Young Player of the Year for the last four years in a row in the Women's Super League. And what a talent she is. And she'd remind you of the old-fashioned centre-forward. You know, she, she has pace. She she gets down the line, gets crosses in off her right foot, off her left foot, pinpoint crosses. And you'd love to be a centre-forward, you know, playing with her and the team. You have Georgia Stanway, who was the captain of the other 20s when they won, when they got beaten in the World Cup final in 2019. And I think she's one of their underestimated players. Um, she's driving that team on from the number 10 position or the advanced for advanced midfield position. She, 
probably not getting the, all the limelight that some of the others do, but she stepped up now and taken, I think, two penalties uh, in this tournament, uh, no problem, put them away for a young girl, only 20, 21 years of age. But yeah, I mean, I think that the, the football they're playing, football, many of the teams are playing, it's really superb and it's great to see. Just the, the, the hurling on, on Sunday, Sue, like you can imagine future Limerick hurlers are eight or nine years of age now celebrating on Sunday and they, they have their dreams now. Like a, a lot of Galway hurlers would have come through from watching the team that um, Joe Canning and all that. There, there must be some amount of young kids who are like so inspired by this and who are going to be like make it their goal now to be a professional footballer and to play for their country down the line. Absolutely. And of course you see that in England because they're doing so well and there's such a high profile to the game over there. But you're also seeing it now here as well because our own national team, there's such a high profile around them. They're playing such great football. They're connected to the fans, as we mentioned the last time I was here. Um, so, you know, kids can see it now and we, we always use that tagline, you can't see it, you can't be it. And they absolutely can see it. And you know, the, the fact they're seeing such great football on the TV. I mean, I have my own nieces even who don't play football, but they're so inspired by watching girls playing in a full stadium, you know, and everything that goes with what you would normally see in a men's game. Um, and that for sure does inspire them. And I mean, I heard it was a Peter O'Mahony after the All Blacks, or the, Ireland beat the All Blacks last week. That was the first thing he said when he was interviewed. This is going to inspire the next generation. And, and that's what happens, you know. Yeah, they obviously feel that and they obviously speak about that too. And I'm sure that's been part of the whole thing about um, this England team and a home tournament and legacy. The one kind of little wrinkle for all this is that their manager tested positive for COVID last week and wasn't on the bench for the last game. Talk that she might be on the bench for the game tonight. Um, I haven't seen an update on that just yet, but is that important? It kind of feels like it might be important. Yeah, you know, she if she's not on the bench, she is a big loss. I did hear yesterday she may not be, but I'm not sure. I think the the isolation period in England is a little bit different than here, so potentially if she if she tests negative, she may be. Um, but she is a loss. But from what I gather, um, like she's still keeping connected. I'm sure she's still at team meetings, you know, via vir- virtually as such. Um, she obviously can't be on the training pitch, I'm sure, or um, I don't know, maybe she can be in, in isolation, but I'm sure she's not. Um, but yeah, she's a big loss. But look, I think her assistants and her whole team around her, you know, they've all worked together for a long time. I, I'm sure she's still directing the show and they, they're just such a, a close-knit team now and, and they know exactly what they want and she's just brought something else to them that they didn't have before. So it will be a loss for sure. I think especially if things are not going right, maybe, you know, she's the one that can change it. But I think um, from listen to Arya and her assistant uh, after the last match he was connected to her during the whole game and I'd imagine that would be the same thing if she's not there tonight what, what system does she play is she stereotypical Dutch yeah she seems to play that 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 um, Dutch system the the four three three, but it's a flexible one you know it can, you can have two holding midfielders with three advanced and then one top striker or you can have your wide players high and wide and you know um, with two advanced midfielders which she tends to do she's had Fran Kirby and um, Georgia Stanway in two advanced say eight and ten roles with Kira Walsh as being the, the holding player just in front of the centre halves her fullbacks get forward as the Dutch fullbacks always do and I mean that's a trend in the game now anyway fullbacks are really a big part of, of the attack and play um, and then obviously uh, there's a lot of movement up front you know as I said these players are so good they're all versatile uh, the wingers can can change sides um, centre forward tends to stay Ellen White tends to stay 
play centrally. Obviously, if she's up front on her own, she'll make runs into the channels, but you don't see her playing playing out in the wing for any period of time. Um, but yeah, like they, they really are. They're they're a very very strong team, and they're they're flamboyant and they're versatile and they're fluid. You know, so it really is. It's a pleasure to watch them. So they're going to win tonight. That's your prediction. I think they will win tonight. Yeah, I can't see. I can't see them not scoring goals. You know, and will Spain even score? I'm not even sure Spain will score. I can see them winning maybe two near three one tonight. And England and Germany are different sides as Ross is. All right. Yes, they are. So, um, and again, you know, I suppose for the tournament, that's lucky because they're the best two teams in the tournament to date, although the French might have a different view on that. But again, I saw Germany live twice there in Brentford in the, in the group games and straight, I, like I hadn't seen Germany for a few years and they, you're probably aware they would have won the Euros five years and five times in a row, like mm. up between, I think, 2003, 2015. Then they went into a bit of a downward spiral. They've had to rebuild. They've had to have a couple of different coaches, um, all sorts of things. And every team, I guess, goes through eventually. So they weren't really getting anywhere in major tournaments. Quarterfinals was the furthest they were getting, I think, in the last Euros and the last World Cup. That's as far as they got. Um, and surprisingly, they were beaten, actually, in a World Cup game there in the last couple of months against Serbia, which is unheard of. But I've since read that a lot of players missed with COVID and different things but they're still winning that World Cup group but I, I was just struck by how real how they how they look like the, the, the their old selves you know they were strong they were powerful they were physical they were slick in their passing um they were direct you know clinical ruthless all that type of thing so for me they're the second best team uh, in the tournament at the moment um Austria they who they play that's tomorrow night. Austria have done really great to qualify, as we mentioned, from England's group against all the odds, um, especially at the expense of that highly fancied Norway team. But do they have enough to upset Germany? And most of their players play in Germany, so they'll be familiar, but I don't think they really do. I mean, their only key player, I guess, or their main key player is their goalkeeper who plays for Arsenal as well, and she's done really well. But I think Germany will have too much for them. Um, it's interesting about uh, the the German rebuild. It's obviously you know from a massive playing base and with the the background of the success that they've had. But like all these t- teams do struggle at, at some point when they when they play England. If they play England in the final, who would end up being the favourites heading into that game? I think England are still the favourites. So the home nation. Um, I, th- I think they could even be ranked ahead of Germany just at the moment. I, I think I think England would probably be favourites. Well, th- put it this way, their their own press would definitely make them favourites. And with that would come more pressure, of course, but you can never rule out Germany. And, spe- and like what Germany have, England don't have, Germany have experience of winning those tournaments. Um, and the last time England were in the European finals, it was 09. And again, I was at that game and they were destroyed by Germany in the first half. I think they were 4-0 down before they could even blink. Now they were at a different level than they are now and Germany were at a different level. You know, they're opposite ends of the spectrum, but England had big hopes going into the tournament and of course they had that pressure from home that they were going to do something, but within a blink of an eye, the game was over. They eventually lost 5-2. You had the great Birgit Prince playing in those days. so Germany know how to win tournaments, you know, and, and nobody's been talking about them coming into this. So I think that's been in their favour. They're sort of quietly going about their business. Yeah. But I, I still think England will be favourites and everyone will make them the favourites. But look, when it gets to that stage, anything can happen. Yeah. Um, I still think they're going to win, but you can't rule the Germans out. The hype would be uh, off the charts if that was to happen, if um, could have an England-Germany final. Uh, Sweden against Belgium. Um, this game you think is going to be pretty close. 
I think so. This one could go all the way to penalties. Um, I think Sweden haven't been firing on all cylinders. Um, and so this game really is the most open of all the quarterfinals for me. Um, it's interesting, Sweden, have, the teams that they've played apart from Portugal um, have sat deep against them, obviously, you know, trying to contain the Swedes and trying to get a result. And Sweden have really found it hard to break them down. Um, their top players aren't really, haven't performed at the top level yet. Black Stenius is with Arsenal, um, you know, great young player who normally scores goals for fun. I think she might have scored one to date. Aslani, who's with Real Madrid, Rolfo, Barcelona, those players, Ericsson, their captain, who's with Chelsea. Um, you know, they just haven't hit the ground running just yet, but they do get better as tournaments go on. I mean, they've got to this stage now, and that's all you need to do. You don't have to set the world on fire, I guess, in the quarters or in the group games. It matters now in the knockout games. But against Belgium, who will sit deep against them and who sat deep against Italy until they had to go and win the game, It'll be an interesting one, this one. So I, I think this could go to extra time and penalties. All right. And then France versus Netherlands is the fourth quarter final. And the good thing is that there's, these are night by night. So that there's no uh, double games at this age. You get to, to watch all yeah, of them. For sure. And they're a nice time for people to watch as well after work, eight o'clock kickoff. France have a very exciting team and loads of exciting players. You have Cascarino uh, up front, Diani, the pace they have in the wide positions. Um their, their striker who's starting to score goals, Katato. I mean, there was controversy about her. She was left out of the World Cup squad, but she's back in this time. But France, you know, for me, France have a bit of a soft centre. I'm not sure they have the, the bottle or the metal, whatever you want, you want to say, to actually you know, go to, to, to go as far as the, their team suggests they can. Something just seems to happen to them when the pressure's on them and everyone expects them to do better. There's all, always seems to be a bit of conflict with French teams as well. And those players left out and some players think they should be in and the manager obviously picks who she thinks is right for the, the squad. So there just seems to be a bit of a conflict there. Um, Will they will they beat the Netherlands? I think that'll be a close one as well. It's hard to call that one because the Netherlands likewise haven't been firing on all cylinders yet. But again, they know how to win tournaments. They've won the 2017 edition. Miedema will be important for them. She's missed now the last two games of COVID. It'll be interesting to see how fit she is. Um, I hear they just lost Martins through injury. Now, she wasn't playing well anyway. She'd been out, I think, for a year with injury, so maybe not too much of a loss at the moment. Um, their goalkeeper has really stood up. She came in uh, for their captain in the first game who went off injured, and she's Van Domsler. She's looked really good. So hard to call that one. Um, yeah, hard, really hard to call that one, to be honest with you. I, I'd say it'll go to extra time, and I couldn't even call who's going to win it, to be honest with you, at the moment. Um, the Norwegian manager stepped down during the week after his team crashed out. Yes. A bit of a surprise that they crashed out so early, but I suspect that if you have a, a team as talented as that and you don't do much with them, then it's kind of inevitable that you're going to end up leaving. I think so, yeah. And I think also the way they were beaten, you know, the 8-0 by England really hurt them and would have hurt him a lot and hurt his his reputation, I guess, because there was a lot said about the fact he didn't make changes during the game and and, and all that. Um, they were hammered, like they were destroyed by England. They really were. It's just like they fell apart. So they didn't just lose, like they were hammered. Um, so I'm not surprised that change has happened, to be honest. Okay, um, so much made of uh, Aga Hegerberg in the build-up, but didn't really perform in the tournament. 
no, she didn't. And she didn't look, you know, she didn't, there was so much made of her and she came back, obviously, as we know, she retired after the last uh, uh, Euros from, from international duty, because I think she said things weren't right there within the camp or the Norwegian backing or whatever. I don't know what was going on, but anyway, she came back and she seemed to be doing well. She seemed to have settled in, but she never looked comfortable to me you know I think her demeanor even besides the game against England I just thought there wasn't something right now I could be wrong there but um yeah she definitely didn't perform anyway um and you know none of the team did so uh yeah it's interesting to see what happens there next how would we have done if we qualified here do you know what I've been saying this to myself and, and I think we would have done well um obviously the group we would have been in if you look at it the way it was because Norway really or sorry not Norway Northern Ireland beat Ukraine um, in the playoff and we were beaten by Ukraine so you take it that we would be in that group England are, are definitely on a different level you know I think at the moment we would struggle against them like all teams do certainly the way Norway have played um, and the way we're playing at the moment I wouldn't have feared them and you know I definitely wouldn't have feared Northern Ireland and that's no disrespect to them we've I think we've beaten them on every occasion we've played them for the last 10 years um, I think we would have done well. And I look at teams that have come in maybe under the radar, like Austria, like Belgium, and they've performed really well. And other teams you would expect to have done better, like Norway, like Italy, they've been a huge disappointment. Finland, again, another team. And again, we talked about it before. These teams were, were second, good second seeds a number of years ago. They're now on the slide for me. And we're a team on the up. So I definitely think we would have done well. If you look at Sweden qualifying for the quarterfinals, like we've played twice against Sweden. Um, yep. They beat us once and we drew with them. Like, you know, we're not, we're not a million miles away here from this. No, we're not a million miles away here. And again, we said it before, we just need to make that breakthrough, you know, and the team is playing with such confidence at the moment and such conviction and no, they don't fear anybody, you know, so I think going into a tournament now wouldn't phase them. And you think about what would happen if they did qualify, like, I mean, they'd, I'm sure they'd have months of preparation together and all that. So, yeah, we just need to get there. And I think we would definitely quit ourselves well. And, you know, if we did qualify for the World Cup, it's, it's harder to get to the World Cup because what is it, eight or 10 teams come from Europe uh, out of the 32. But when you get there, the group stages are potentially actually a little bit easier. Mm. Uh, if 32 teams, so you'd have a round of 16, obviously, but you're in with teams from the other confederations. And like some of the other confederations are, are definitely much weaker than Europe. You know, I, like that's I, echoed in the men's game now, Susan, where yeah. like basically it's kind of easier to win the Euros than the World Cup. I see it like in the job and the work I'm doing with FIFA. I mean, OFC, Oceania, take for example, uh, New Zealand have qualified for the World Cup as hosts. So therefore you've got the 10 other countries and they're the likes of the Cook Islands, Solomon Islands, Tahiti, um, uh, New Caledonia, countries like this who literally only get together for their qualification tournament. They only appoint, most of them only appoint their national team coach and activate the national team coming up to the qualification tournament. Now that's something we're trying to change because that's not good. Obviously it's not good for the national team and it's obviously not good for the development of football in those countries. But that's the level they're at, um, you know. So, you know, one of those is going to have a half chance of going to the World Cup because they'll go into that confederation playoff that we could potentially end up in. Um, but one of them could make the World Cup. So, you know, really, if we did get to a World Cup, I think it, it's definitely easier than the Euros. Right. There's, there's a lot to look forward to. One last thing I want to ask you about is um, we've talked about Hegerberg there. Who has impressed you then? 
Um, who's impressed me in in the in the tournament so far? I've been really impressed with Heger Hegering. I think that's the way you pronounce her, her name, Marina Hegering from Germany, center half. Again, watched her close up, and I was just blown away with her. I hadn't realized she'd been at Arsenal a year or so ago, and I think she didn't maybe do well there. But she was just a super centre half, no nonsense, out and out defender, read the game well, really good distributor of the ball, um, strong player. She really impressed me. And then in the English team, I think, you know, you have the, the the stars, the Meads, the Hemp's, but a couple of the unsung heroes for me are those not getting maybe the same limelight. Walsh has been very good in the middle of the park here. Walsh, she's dictating the play, as is that youngster, um, Stanway, that I mentioned. So they've really been impressive for me so far. All right, so great stuff enjoy the rest but thanks a million we'll talk to you again soon cheers that's cheers bye bye that's uh, C. Ronan giving us a great breakdown of exactly what the situation is at the quarterfinal stage of the Euros that England-Spain game tonight at 8 o'clock and then there's a game every night at 8 o'clock for the rest of the week um, and you can just imagine the hype if um, the English team keep going yeah it's really uh, it's really kind of whittling into it's going to be a hell of a last four after this because uh, as you mentioned the Swedes we've seen them seriously good sides England with, with uh, this amazing Amazing goal scoring record so far. Germany on the other side of the draw. Um, you, it could be could be set for an ambush though tonight. Like England, it, it's still England. Like, and the expectation will obviously be so great that they're just expected to win tonight. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be great watching. And I think it's a real coming of age sort of tournament for women's football. Just so much, uh, so much media coverage, great crowds. Um, really, the standards. Sue said they're from a base where um, you know, I've I've always made this point. I think women's sport is going to completely explode in the next few years because it's just starting off a base that um, doesn't have the history at all of, of men's sport and the, the standards are just improving so fast it's remarkable really remarkable um, I think I think a lot of people enjoy watching it more than watching the men's game at times now it's just it's extremely watchable and you just imagine the Irish players are just like itching to get to this level at some point yeah that's the big thing mm. like it's very very annoying that we're not preparing for a quarterfinal of the Euros tonight because we could easily be mm. and in a game where anyway there's no point ifs, ands and buts OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day here's a clip from the latest episode of the Football Pod with Paddy James and Tommy previewing this Sunday's All-Ireland Football Final they've obviously done the live show last week which I'm sure you all heard which was uh, James O'Donoghue's masterclass in comedy this one is the serious business of the matchups and who's going to mark who Bit of debate about what's going to happen, particularly who's going to pick up Clifford. Uh, James has one theory. He managed, I think, to convince Tommy and Paddy that he might be right. But the football pod is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out the hashtag, the toughest for more, back after this. They not need to do that with dubs. They do not need to match fire with fire. Like, what, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the half-forward line being an outlet? Are you talking about Clifford and Ganey staying inside? What exactly do you mean by shape? Oh, I, what I mean is... When you're under pressure and the opposition is gung-ho, coming at you, they're chasing the game like Dublin were, like Mayo always do because their halfbacks are the threat, like Galway are probably going to do the stages. So everyone is going and you have to track your man. Say the ball goes dead and it's down on the kickout and you are kind of lumbering back up the field, but you're not in your position yet. So then the ball is played and suddenly you're playing midfield even though you're an inside forward. You, your team has lost all the shape. So when they, when you do have possession, you look up, there's no one in there. You turn around. Next thing, there's traffic on you. You're getting tackled. You might get turned over. You're feeding the you're feeding the wave from the opposition. So if you do get back, it's so important to either 
You've got to get back up to win a free to give you time or just do a long bursting run to get back up the field just to give give more space around that area. Okay. It happens to every team hanging on because at the end of the game, you're so tired, you find it so hard to get back up the field and you know that once you're there, you're probably going to have to come back again. Yeah. It's like doing a mass, a mass run. Do you know that run where you're doing like 100 yeah, meters yeah, up yeah. and back? Yeah. That's what it's like, but it just has to be done. Well, it's, it's also, Jimmy, like, particularly in a final now, like... If you're a, a point or two up and the clock's gone into red, you're like, that's the difference. Like, it shouldn't, but it does. Like, tactics go out the window. Your job goes out the window, nearly. You're just, lads are just, I'll do anything, just get back, just jump on lads' backs, fell them, do anything to slow the clock down. Whereas the best teams will have total clarity in those moments that this is the biggest moments. Yes, there's only a minute left, but this is the winning and losing in the game. And this is like, you look at what, so Killian McDade did against Armagh, that point he gets where it's on the line and Armagh think they've done it. And mm. Armagh just totally panicked. They just bring everyone back when I think they should have tried and, and contest the kick out. And then eventually they should have, two or three times in that play, they should have fell Galway out of range and they didn't. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right. Um, it is what are we 23 minutes past 8 this morning and like look nothing nothing is the worst part of, of rugby culture than picking Lions teams like three and a half years before the next Lions tour <laughs> right uh, but when it's Warren Gatlin picking the team yeah you're going to pay yeah. attention so the Telegraph like, hey Warren pick a, pick a Lions team for us right actually I, I don't know where the next Lions tour is is it, is it Australia like it's two years after the next World Cup so we're three years out from it, basically, right? Warren Gatlin picks his 23-man's Lions squad and some of his selections may surprise you. Well, yes, it will. It's Australia 2025. There you go, 2025. What are we, 2022 at the moment? So that's not soon. Uh, so the team, right? Uh, he picked a 23-man squad. Uh, and actually... Hang on, sorry, is that people there? Yeah, okay. So um, the, the, the Warren Gatlin's team... Ellis Genge, Jamie George, Tyke Furlong. Right, so far, kind of as expected. James Ryan, who didn't make the plane the last time, straight in the team. Mm. Alongside Tyke Byrne, Courtney Laws, Caelan Doris, number eight. Uh, Josh van der Fleer. That's an Irish heavy team. The halfback partnership, Jameson Gibson Park. Johnny Sexton. What age did Sexton be then? Like 60 or something? Uh, well, 40. This, this might convince him to, to like... Sexton would be 40. Career. Sexton would be 40 at that time. Quite simply, he has earned the right to be there even at the age of 37. I think Marcus Smith is something special. But if I want to win a game next week, Johnny has to start. You can't take away from the impact he's had over the last year. In South Africa, I was concerned about his injury record and whether he could get through the tour. And I still probably ask myself now whether it was the right decision to leave him at home. I mean, from an Ireland perspective, definitely was because it's certainly like mm. it. Uh, you can see him sitting at home on his couch, and I took that personal in the style of Michael Jordan. <laughs> it's like his inner Michael Jordan was unleashed by Warren Gatlin not picking him. Does and that team have more Irish than everyone else put together? Uh, I mean, you could you could do the maths for me there, Johnny, if you wanted. Uh, but yeah, Josh van der Fleer, obviously. Um, no, it's. Uh, I still don't know a huge amount about Caelan Doris as he had a number of injuries leading up to the Lions Tour in 2021 and scored a fantastic strike against the All Blacks in November last year and I know that the Leinster and Ireland coaching teams rate him very highly. I mm. uh, don't think Vinopola has been fit enough over the last two years but looks to have made improvements. Jack Conan's unlucky not to make the 23. Dan Sheehan, Andrew Porter all on the bench. 
Talibay Falatau is on the bench Marcus Smith is on the bench Jack Nowell's on the bench so what does he say about James Ryan and not taking him uh, didn't obviously get your take on how big the series win was in the context of Irish sport I'm open uh, to persuasion on this I thought James and Tig worked incredibly well together as a combination that's why I put Maro Atoje on the bench Ireland were able to put the all black line out under serious pressure and something something then the, the page is missing there but so he, he didn't even put uh, he didn't he didn't put him in his squad the last time so a number of players who didn't make the squad Warren, Warren is now like sorry that he let the Lions let the Lions down by not picking these guys the last time when he should have so how big was the win on Saturday in Irish Sporting it was pretty big did you enjoy it I didn't see it actually no I was I was out um, then obviously it's not that big for you but it's big for no, other people yeah no I, I get it I, I do wonder how Mick, Mick, Michael how McCarthy how good New Zealand are or bad a, they are at the moment Michael McCarthy had a, a a tear scale were you crying watching it and if you cry watching it then it matters to you more he said he was bawling crying watching Kelly Harrington you could be, you could have a, ho- a hangover and just be mentally fragile. Well, I'd say that happens a lot. Yeah, so with like a lot getting, of sports things. Have you been to what what sports events have you cried at? Galway uh, winning the hurling All Ireland. Why? Um, just because it was such a long wait. I'd never seen the, I'd never seen them win anything in hurling ever. So because they last won it in the late eighties, and I didn't remember that. Um, possibly, possibly cried in ninety eight. Um, possibly, yeah. Will I cry on Sunday? I'm, I'm possibly. saying yes now. If you, if you win, I'm, I'm, because you've thought about this now, you'll be like, oh, I should cry. The older you get, did you cry for Katie Taylor? No, I didn't. No. I am. I'm not. I'm not. No, I didn't. Katie Taylor won the um, Irish Sports Star of the Year award ahead of Sam Bennett, which was an absolute joke. Katie Taylor, when she won the Olympics in 2012 in London, having had her entire life lead up to this entire moment did you cry then not last year when she won the professional stuff I don't think I've ever seen Katie Taylor box in the Olympics no, in London uh, no I'm not not into boxing not into women's boxing not really into boxing in general so no there's just some sports I just don't like is that a is that a bad thing I'm, like that was we had been waiting for a long time the, the whole the whole rules of sport had changed because she was so good mm. like yeah yeah and the pressure that she was under to win in London was intense. I, no uh, Irish person has ever had the amount of pressure and expectation that she has had. That she mm. that in that in that like was it four two minute rounds, and then for it to be very close to being taken away at the last minute. You know the referee was or the scoring was like oof. Did she definitely? She's a national icon, but to win um, the sports person of the year over somebody winning the green jersey in the Tour de France is laughable. Like, what did she have? Two fights. Danny Mac says Johnny will be crying Sunday. Hey, I'm not sure in sort of pain. Um, if they lose, you won't cry though. No, because it's it's a bit like the hurling uh, this year. It's kind of bonus territory. If they, you know, it's not like uh, people were expecting Galway to be where they are necessarily. And uh, if they give them a good game, I'll be happy enough. The older you get, as well, you, you do realise that you know, you, as long as you can live to fight another day, sport is sport. Uh, Michael White says Shane Walsh needs to front up, letting defenders dictate his game. Armagh bullied him. The same with Derry. Interesting. His movement needs to be better so he doesn't get bogged down. We're going to put this to Andy McIntyre, who's mm. going to join us in a few minutes' time. I don't think that's true. I think uh, he needs he needs the protection from the referee, where he's like being 
MMA'd to the ground and having his head banged off the ground by opponents yeah. and his shoulder banged off the ground repeatedly off the ball which is completely legal like oh it's a man's game you need to be able to put up with the bullying it's like no no you don't I hate that crap um, I think I think Kerry and Galway I mean it's cliched but I, I think it'll be a pretty open game I, do, I, I, I don't really think no it, no no, nah, no I think it will no I, no no I Kerry, Kerry, Kerry have got a they have a nasty streak but like at the same time Kerry are the most cynical of all the teams uh, I just don't like Jack O'Connor no it's nothing to do with that it's absolutely nothing to do with that if you listen to Michael Meehan on the football pod he said all those years he was playing against the teams from the north the ones where he would get the most doing over was from the Kerry defenders mm. they were the toughest ones to mark and uh, James O'Donoghue says the same in training that he would be up against those lads and they would be giving it to him in a way that prepared him well for whatever he would face from Tyrone and Armagh mm. later but it was never the same well like, you've marked the referee's card now anyway well the referee of course a Tyrone man Paddy Talley a Tyrone mm. man from the same club <laughs> not, not that, that anybody's has, yeah, poor choice has played that down yeah well, you, fair, you, um, you would wouldn't you or else, or else, or else you, you talk it up in advance on, on the Shane Walsh thing he does attract so much attention that um, it's extremely difficult for him at times but it does help the rest of the way forwards there's Jack uh, not Jack actually oh there it is Jack yeah, yeah. Paddy Talley what does Paddy Talley bring to the Kerry party is what the examiner are asking today it's interesting because obviously you know it's an admission from Kerry that uh, they needed something else so um, Declan Bogue is a piece there I haven't got a chance to read this yet but I'm definitely going to read it because I love Declan Bogue stuff and, the yeah. examiner's examiner's sports pull out on a Wednesday is, tr- is traditionally brilliant and I'm sure this is going to be proper build up to the game um, and it's great to see that there's some good stuff in the papers today about uh, Keen O'Neill Jack and so on and so forth lots of good stuff to build up to the game it's, it's going to be a classic it's wetting your appetite Ah, yeah, and uh, it's just strange being being like it, when Galway won in two thousand and one. Like we we sort of you know we were we were getting used to all Ireland finals at that stage, and Galway were so good in that second half. And Mister so McEntee can talk about it like from the Mead perspective. It was it's just strange the way that um, football works that they went on this famine, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because the, the Galway's swung more towards being a hurling county in the last few years because of the success. But traditionally, it's it is a football county, more uh, than Harlan County. It's what more than Harlan County. Ah, uh, yeah, like Curling would be more of a pocket of South South Galway, whereas football would be more sort of spread across. Like I think that's fair enough. Um, but I, it is still absolutely mad that Connacht has essentially two All Ireland since the mid sixties. Like. It, I, find, I find that very, very hard to get my head around considering they were in the last four nearly. You can blame Mayo for the flakiness. That's what this. That's the, well, the, the big reveal. Lee of your, Lee you're Keegan setting this joke up. Lee Keegan okay. might finally real say, like, maybe maybe the McEntees would have issues if they were playing Dublin or Loud. Or but in Connacht, you should support your own because we're the downtrodden men of the West. Like, So I presume Lee Keegan is going to say everyone is up for Galway. I don't think so. You can, you <laughs> I mean, can ask him the same question you asked him two weeks ago. <laughs> and he, Mac- said, he said, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm intrigued by the game. So we. Andy McEntee is with us this morning. Andy, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, lads. How are we doing? Mayo people should be up for Galway, Andy, on Sunday. Do you know, Connacht people, like, supporting their own. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't... I, hey. <laughs> no. No should or shouldn't, really. You know, it's how you feel on the day, isn't it? This is it. Yeah. This is it. I, I, I do feel when Mayo win on Ireland's Galway people, there is a bit of a divide. A lot of them definitely wanted them to win. A lot of them definitely did not want them to win. But it's different for Galway that we just rocked up after all these years. I think they enjoy their misery as well. I mean, you know, it's just been, you know, they're yeah. like rubbing their hands in glee over it. But I, I don't think anybody, if 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 Mayo ever won, I don't think anybody would begrudge them. No, 
Yeah, that's so much that is the point of a rivalry, though. You, yeah. you, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we talk to you about your new gig, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? I think Galway oh, have a real chance. Uh, I, I genuinely do. Uh, I think uh, I think both sets of forwards probably have have an advantage, uh, and maybe maybe it's a bit of a cliche. I think midfield is is is, is going to be very important. Who wins that middle sector? Gets the right supply into the forwards. I mean, you'd imagine, you know, Clifford one end, Comer the other end. Uh, there's 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 a couple of potential, uh, I think, mismatches. So mismatches. Yeah, I, I just think. Uh, I mean, I think there's there, there's some there's a lot of pace in in both sets of forwards, and you know, if if you can get good quality ball in, I think uh, either set can really can mm. really cause trouble. Um. There's a lot being made of, of Paddy Talley and the difference in Kerry's approach this year from previous years and, and what he's brought to the party and obviously because he's from the north and that's where the uh, strong defensive systems originated uh, we're assuming that it's been a plug and play for him has it been plug and play? What what have you noticed about Kerry's defence under the, the Talley regime? Ah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it, there is a little bit of a myth out there that you know, if it's so long as you have a northern uh, you know, coach, that that defensively, you're, you know, there's there's loads of good defensive coaches and, <laughs> and teams that have come up with good defensive structures. I mean, Dublin have had you know arguably the best defence uh, around over the last over the last ten years. So it's not their sole uh, their sole property, if you like. I think Kerry are probably, you know, they hard to know how much how much they've learned, how much they've improved really until until uh, the squeeze is really on. I mean, you could argue uh, I think most people would argue if Con, Con Callahan was playing the last day. Not sure sure they've got it over the line. Yeah, maybe if Scully recycles the ball, like you're talking fine margins here. Yeah, look at in all those close games, you really are talking fine margins, and 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 you know it was getting to a stage where where Kerry were were struggling. Uh, you know, is that a psychological thing because they haven't got over the line that that's not in the team yet? Whereas if they get over the line, then they'll know what to do. Do you know what I mean? The 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 yeah, that's always a possibility. You know, once you know, it, it, it's it's no longer a mystery. Once once you win one of those big games, and yeah. you know, beating Dublin was, you know, I mean, from from a carry perspective, you'd say you'd like to think that that's got the monkey off the back, and they can go back, go on and 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 uh, and and really perform to the you know the ability that everybody seems to think they have, but. The truth of the matter is, over the last number of years, Kerry haven't won too many close contests, and and the way the game fell the last day, I mean, it was you know an incredible strike by by, by uh, Sean O'Shea, but it couldn't have been any better, really. I mean, it was you know, okay, ball goes wide, we're still in the game here. Yeah, ball goes over, Dublin don't have a chance to respond, so. I, I I still think that question mark hangs hangs over, uh, and if 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 it came down to a real tight battle. So if you're setting up a team from Galway's perspective this weekend, like uh, in that first half against Derry, Galway were ultra defensive, and they they sat back and they watched, and and they've got credit for that in in some ways, in that it was like they were super patient. They were like, let's see exactly what you have. You're not going to score the goals early that you scored against everybody else to win games, and let's see if you're actually 
able to win the match after that. Was that strategic? Or was that them not playing very well themselves in the first half? Did it look like they were just doing what their plan was? What did you think of that? Yeah, I was I, I was at that game. Uh, it looked strategic to me. Uh, it looked uh, there was a very definite lack of pace. I mean, it started. I mean, the, the, the bit that surprised me a little bit even was just from 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 the kickout strategy. No hurry to get the ball on the on, on the tee, and I thought they had an advantage. You know, they had a height advantage uh, out around midfield, half forward line. There was a, there was a lot of opportunities to go long quick, which they seemed to resist that temptation. Why do you think they're doing that? Is that like a we're gonna we're gonna this is our first this group's first All Ireland semi final. The prize is huge. Calm down, everybody. Is that what that is? Yeah, and and you know you don't want to get you don't want to get caught against against a team like Derry. You don't want to get caught, you know, trying to chase the game because you know that's that's you know that's that's a perfect setup for Derry. So there's a little bit of cat and mouse at the start. I was a bit I was a bit disappointed in, in that. I felt uh, a bit like Sunday. I felt I felt Galway's uh, forwards would have the edge if if they if they really attacked them. Derry, you know, put in a great performance. <coughs> excuse me, against against Clare, but they still there were still goal chances to be got against them. Uh, we played them in the league earlier on the year. We got numerous goal chances, so uh, I was a little bit surprised that that Galway's uh, hesitancy or reluctance to really go at them in the first half. I think when they did pick it up and went at them in the second half. It was fairly obvious they were the superior team. That's yes, it. yeah, yeah. yeah that, yeah. Is there a possibility there is KG in the first half just because it's an All Ireland final and they want to see what Kerry can do, or is it actually like, is it better to go out and try and punch Kerry in the mouth in the first fifteen minutes? Well, I think the difference between between uh, Kerry and Derry, for example, is that Kerry have a lot more guys that can hurt you. I mean, you know, the vast majority of of Derry scores came from from one source. Uh, throughout throughout the year, uh, so I could see where they're going to be a little bit more cagey at the start against against Kerry. You know they have they have they have numerous sources that can that can hurt you. It could be if they if the, if the pattern of play is similar as it was to the semi final, it could be eight four at half time for Kerry and Galway might not be able to get that back though. So there's a, there's a danger in sitting. Oh, I think I think I think if if it was eight four eight five. Yeah, I think they could get that back. Okay, they'd be happy enough. I, 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 I think so. I think. I mean, Dublin got it back, like yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, without have, without doing anything special, I, really. Dublin have better forwards than Galway at the moment. Dublin have won many All Irelands and know what the experience is like. I think that's the bit that we don't know how Galway will respond. I, but uh, interesting. Like, so Galway to me, what do you think of that? And Galway don't have the shackles of failure anymore because they don't, they don't, they don't really know what it's like. They have the experiences this year coming through three or four tight games and winning. So I don't think I don't see them as mentally yeah. negative at all, or, or or weak. Yeah, and I think I think just from a from a mental you know approach to the game coming into the game, I think there's you know there's an awful there's still an awful lot expected of Kerry, mm. and I think the vast majority of people say, yeah, oh, yeah, Kerry, you know you're after beating Dublin, you're in a position here. God, we're in a nice position here. Uh, I'd like to think that they could and, and really have a go at them when when it came to if if you're there with ten minutes to go. Fifteen minutes to go. You're there, thereabouts. You really, you really have a cut. The last three teams, as, as Owen Sheehan keeps pointing out this week, the last three teams to beat Dublin in the championship have failed to go on and win the All Ireland. 
Mm. Like there's a kind of weird letdown. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's circumstantial. I'm sure it's not like, uh, you know, because they celebrate too much or anything. But um, I think our, our only win since, I could be wrong on this, our, only w- our first win in Crow Park since 2001 in the championship was against Kerry. Um, like so they're one of the, literally the only teams and we had that amazing Michael Meehan game in the rain Galway carry games at Crow Park have traditionally been close I don't think they have any fear though I, I think coming through the I think coming through the Armagh game has really stirred at them mentally because that I mean that was just ridiculous How, I mean to be able to concede seven points in injury time and to still have the composure to score all their penalties they're in a good place What do you do about Clifford? Oh, look at I mean uh, <laughs> you you restrict the quality of ball going into him, and even even the the, the difference first half, second half uh, against Dublin, the positions that Clifford was getting the ball in were totally different than than he was getting them in, in the in first. Half. So you you gotta you gotta help. You gotta give your full back line a chance. You say okay, let, let's make this a 50-50 ball, or at 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 best, look, let's make sure uh, he's getting it in areas of the field that he can't really hurt you. And you're going to, you know, if it's Sean Kelly or whoever, whoever it is, he's going to need help. Mm. He's going to need help. But you know, even you know, he's such he's such a big, versatile man. Uh, sticking too close to him is dangerous, because he's just going to roll you. Uh, you need the confidence to 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 play him from in front, uh, and be really really positive. And as soon as you know, as soon as it it, it looks like you know a chance of a high ball or something going in over the top, his his buddies have got to be there to help him out. Well, there be a situation I wonder, like where you're you're trying to hold on to the ball as much as possible to keep the ball away from the opposition in a way, like which carried a lot in the second half. Well, Galway just tried to do that in the Derry game was interesting. That Derry recycle, 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 such that Galway only scored a point in the first half an hour. So the Galway try to build a possession game and dictate on their terms and keep the ball away from Kerry and keep the ball away from Clifford. Yeah, but you're still going to win the game. Like, mm. you know, are, are you going to go out and, and, and lose lose a really, you know, a, a really low-scoring game? You still, at some stage, they're going to have to. I mean, the, the game will go through various periods of play and various styles at, at different times. You just got to, at times, you've got to, you got to slow it down, you've got to hold on to the ball. But when the opportunity arises, you've you got to go. Uh, and they're not they're not built to keep the ball they haven't when they tried to keep not the ball really, against Armagh yeah. Shane Walsh kicked it across the field <laughs> yeah. like, that was the sliding doors moment of the campaign I mean to come through that maybe mm. so I, I think the fact the Clifford thing is maybe on the on the whole thing goes hopes hinge really how he plays yeah but again how he plays is, is, is really going to depend on the amount and the quality of ball that he gets mm. And and that's where I think uh, Conroy and and McDade have have uh, I think they have an edge. Uh, I, I I I'm still I'm not convinced that 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 Kerry have have the answer at midfield. I'm, I'm I mean uh, David Moran for all his you know his great year of service and all all his qualities. He's a mobile now, like. Well, I'm surprised they've come back there. Come back to him. To be perfectly honest. Mm. Uh, I mean, he—he, he, you could argue he came close to, he came close to losing the game from there last, uh, against Dublin again. Mm. Uh, yeah, the coughed up possession. Yeah, he coughed up a, a very simple ball last year's semi-final. He arguably got bullied by a, a, a pretty young, inexperienced uh, Tyrone midfielder, and then you go back to two years ago against Dublin. So, 
I'm surprised at, at uh, and that sounds like I'm being really harsh to him, he's been a hell of a servant, but time moves on and, and Croke Park, if you don't have the legs, Croke Park is not the place for you. Is yeah. there a possibility he gets dropped and they just go with O'Connor and Barry? That wouldn't hugely surprise me. And then, would, then you have him in reserve to come yeah, on and pick passes yeah. out in the second and half. You, and you have, you know, in, in, in O'Connor and Barry, you have, you've got legs. I mean, Galway have legs. Yeah, well, the, but Conroy, in fairness, Con- Conroy would would be relatively immobile for a midfielder. He's getting on a bit, and defensively, he's not great. It's a massive boost, I think, for Galway that if Bourne starts, that negates that because Galway don't have a that is, that is definitely a worry for Conroy's a brilliant footballer, but defensively, he's not obviously that's not his strong point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think he's probably having a better year this year than he's had in a long time. Oh yeah, you know, uh, and I think his I would have thought his defensive qualities have improved. Mm. And if he kicks a couple of those mad points, oh, and he's passing like the, yeah. the crowd's going to yeah. go mad. Yeah. Um, Andy, last time you were in, you were just finishing up. You just finished up with Meath, and we're like not certain about ever getting back involved. <laughs> in fact, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, I think I probably was certain that I wouldn't be getting back involved. But anyway, yeah, I think I know where this is going. So what? I'm happens? sure this surprises a lot of people, but it probably surprises me more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, look, I, I. I uh, I got approached to uh, Donald Murphy, he's the treasurer up in, in Antrim, he asked me would I, would I have a chat with him and uh, I agreed to have a chat and then one thing led to another and uh, I liked what I heard, I liked what, you know, what, what they're trying to do up in Antrim. Uh, Will you tell us about that, because that, that's the bit, right, um, like we've, we've covered the, the casement story over the years here and we've seen the mm. footage and finally something's happening and um, we would have covered the Antrim team more over the last couple of years just because we have a, a, had a relationship pre-existing with their, their manager and like it was always really interesting to hear him talk about the quality of footballer and what they were trying to do and they, they achieved a lot over the last couple of years um, so what was it that you heard that you thought I'm interested in this now uh, well I suppose I, I, I look at even just look at the the bare facts of it. I mean, the population of, of, of Antrim, I think, is the second biggest population in the country. Now, obviously, not everyone up there would be massive GA fans, uh, but even if you half it, still a decent, over 300,000, uh, you know, it's still, it's still a very decent population. Organisation-wise, they seem very organised. Uh, they seem well-funded as regards being able to look after the team. The facilities that they have are, you know, second to none. The geography of of the county itself would mean that there's nobody any more than, say, 35 minutes away from a training centre. In a lot of ways, it's like Dublin. Mm. Uh, It's, you know, structurally. uh, You have the body, the club, club scene up there is still very, very strong, very, very competitive. Uh, and I suppose the challenge is to get them playing to you know the limits of, of what they're capable of. Uh, also, I would think that you know Enda and, and and Stevie, the work they've done in the last couple of years, have done a fair bit bit of, of heavy lifting, and uh, they look like they look like the the culture, the attitude towards what they what they're capable of seems to be changing. Uh, the Casement Park situation, that's exciting too for for anybody, you know, in, in Gaelic games at all. I mean, to, to have 
history like that and, and to, you know, a project like that is, is, uh, is exciting, should get an awful lot of people on board. Uh, they have the Saffron business community up there, getting a lot of people behind the, behind the Gaelic Games up there. And they are very passionate, you know, the, 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 the half that do support GA up there are very, very passionate about their, about their games. So, all in all, I, I, uh, I got persuaded. Maybe I was easily persuaded, I don't know, but uh, it was never, probably never going to be a, a, a another team from Leinster. Wasn't going to be a team in Division Two, uh, so I guess it, it it ticked a good few boxes. Were you surprised at yourself how you decided? Yeah, after all of that, yeah, I'm going back in. Did you did you did did one half of Andy McIntyre talk to the other half and say, "What are you doing here?" Like, cop on to yourself. No, sure, that, that, you know the, the the two halves or the three halves or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they're always talking to each other. There, <laughs> sometimes they just don't make sense. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you I mean you, you gotta go. You know, you 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 write down the pros and the cons, and you, you talk to you talk to a lot of the the important stakeholders. You know, uh, my wife Catherine being being uh, number being one, one of, being one of those. You know, after two or three weeks, she was probably going, "Oh my God, I wish you wish you go out and train somebody or or go somewhere." Uh, I'm watching you golf clubs. Uh, <laughs> I did that, yeah. That's what that only goes for <laughs> She gets fed up with me playing golf too. Uh, yeah, look at I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you've unfinished business? Is that a, like as an inter-county manager that's, um, like your time was horribly interrupted with COVID and then the situation at me in the last year was obviously difficult with the county board situation. Then actually a clear run at it with the full support of everybody from the get-go, taking on board all the lessons you've learned when it's normal times and you can have training sessions and you can go meet people for coffee. Do you feel like you, you didn't fully scratch the itch of what it means to be an inter-county manager? No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I mean, uh, I, you know, I didn't face any more difficult times than anybody else. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's the way it was. I didn't, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel hard done by, by you know, the last couple of years. Uh, we've, you know, I, I've had six great years with the lads. Uh, I know, I know most of them from, from, a, from a very young age. So, I mean, uh, that was definitely something I, w I always wanted to do. I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think I just, I like, I like doing, uh, I like doing what I do. Uh, Jack O'Connor's talking about it basically being a semi-professional gig and the amount of, of um, organisational and, and backroom team and management. Like it, yeah. it, For him, it doesn't sound like it's a burden, obviously, especially not now that he's not doing the travelling. Um, you will be doing a bit of travelling, but it's not too bad to, to Belfast. No, uh, I keep I keep, telling, keep telling Catherine it's an hour and a half, but it's possibly a little bit more. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's it's not it it's not a hard drive. You know, you're you're on the you're on the motorway pretty much the whole way up up to Jordanstown. Uh, I really, I, I'm really excited about about the uh, the facilities up there and 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 the backup team that they have around them. I mean, they have they have a full a full time strength and conditioning guy up there, Brendan Murphy. Fantastic experience of all all the uh, availability of 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 the sports science unit in, in in Jordanstown. So, you know, that bit in itself, I just love to see 
where you can get to with a bunch of fellas who are uh, who are totally committed. There was the potential, really, that. In, in yeah, that's. I, I think. I think that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. What is the potential? Ah, oh, the potential is 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 the same as it is for for any talented group of fellas. The potential is 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 endless. It all, it just depends on uh, on how much you want to put into it, uh, and how much it means to you, and what you're prepared to. Uh, Sacrifice it like it's like any other team. It's as we all know, it's it's a very competitive uh, place out there, but up in up in Ulster in particular. So it's a I suppose the Talshan Cup. The narrative has changed for a county like Antrim a bit now. Where you see, you know, there there are there are those kind of layers of what you want to achieve beyond the league. Yeah, well, there's there, there's three avenues of success really. I mean, there's the championship itself. There's there's the league, and now there's the Talshan Cup. So there's you know there's there's three ways that you could have a you could have a decent year, or a decent couple of years. Mm. So that in itself has got to be you know an incentive to to guys who are wondering, you know, where where can this get to? Can you become a bit of a voice for Casement as well in terms of your role? Because I th- like I think in fairness, it, off the ball have covered it, but it's there's, there's probably a bit of a partitionist divide in terms of the South not, not realizing how much of a calamity this has been really like I was at, I think yeah. I was at one of the last games there when they beat Galway by a point in 2011 maybe 2012 one of the last games and um, it's just sad like you could tell how passionate they were as you say and it was just yeah. really sad the disrepair yeah and 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 I think if if uh, if you could get the team on a bit of a roll and you get you get a you get a bit of success uh, uh, I mean I think the support levels from from all you know uh, sectors of the community uh, would and and could get behind it. So I mean, I think that in that mm. itself could could be a massive, un- mm. massive unifying. You know, absolutely, everything. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, well, it, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of possibilities here. One last question for you: Have you got a backroom team sorted yet, or is that something that will happen over? No, we're well? just finalising a few bits and pieces. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, a defensive coach from the north, perhaps. They're very, very on vogue. Sure, that's the only place you can get a defensive <laughs> coach, isn't it? Uh, well, listen, we wish you the very best of luck with it. Who's going to win on Sunday? You're close to saying Galway. Uh, I, 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 I think there's a couple of possibilities. I think if, if, if Kerry came out and really, really, you know, hit the ground running, there could be a bit in it. If it goes, it goes down the wire and going for a Galway in a close one. Right, well, it'll be a cracker if that's the case. Andy, we wish you the very best of luck in Antrim. Yeah. Thanks very much for joining Thanks, us. In Sorry for today. being a bit late. No, you're grand. The traffic's not great. Uh, we've got uh, Lee Keegan standing by. We're going to get to him in a second. Here's Vinnie Perth on last night's show talking about how League of Ireland clubs are selling their better players to clubs abroad too cheaply. It is, it is a difficult one and we're losing a lot of talent for small money. Um, like Danny Mandro gone for, for 30000 Makes no sense to me. I don't know the ins and outs of the deal, but um, I had a similar situation where someone came in for a really important player belonged to Dundalk. Um, I rode with our with our ownership, uh, similar size fee. Insisted he didn't play, he didn't leave, and he was instrumental in us beating um, uh, the talent side last year, which made maybe four 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 hundred and fifty thousand pound for the club. And uh, almost, he scored two goals. So you work out who I'm talking about. Almost knocked out uh, Vitesse Arnhem. And by holding on to that player, uh, the investment in him and, and staying away from that money was well worth it. So it, it is judgment calls. The club have to be brave, particularly the clubs in Europe. If you're still in Europe, you can't let your players go for cheap. I'm wondering out loud here, 
the exit clauses, the, the the escape clauses we've seen in terms of like numbers, they're all in around, they seem near in around the five figures. Promise I'm a share from what I hear is five figures. It's going to be add-ons. The, uh, Danny Mandry with 30 grand, which became pretty public. Like, it's a vicious cycle because that kind of money, if a club comes in and offers the, the opportunity to the player, it behooves the player to listen to the opportunity that's available to them. But similarly, the club are getting stung for, like if Rovers progress in Europe, like, the thirty grand is like not doesn't compare to the money they could get if they progress in Europe. So you want to hang on to the player. You also want to pr- progress in Europe. But if you don't hang on to the player, you're not going to progress in Europe. So you're going to end up with a lesser sum of money. Yeah, that's uh, the lads talking last night. You can get that podcast uh, on the OTB Football Show podcast as well. Now I'm delighted to say Lee Keegan is with us. Lee, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Good. Uh, Johnny Ward has been excitedly trying to uh, build up the courage to ask you the question that he asked you already, but he just wants an answer this time. Go on. Yeah, who are you up for on Sunday anyway, Lee? <laughs> that was the question I get asked first ever. Like, uh, <laughs> do I need to support somebody? Can I not watch it from a neutral perspective? You can, you yeah. can, yeah. They could both lose, you know. I think there's, there's many of us in that boat. But you see, there will be the neutral perspective, but then, like, if there's a point in it or it's level and it's going into injury time, whether you're neutral or not, you're not neutral, and something will come to the fore of your heart, what will that depends, be? Depends how many beers I've had on board before <laughs> So if I've had a few, it could go anyway. Like, but, um, <laughs> Ah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big supporter anyway going to games. I, I do like to watch them when you, unless I'm out teams involved. I'm not really a massive supporter of, of a team, but I like taking notes of what's going on around and players play well and matchups and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not necessarily, I'm going to be a politician. I'm not going to specifically select who I'm supporting because I'm not really supporting anyone. You see, after the game Sunday, like uh, TJ Reid and Lynch, and you know, there's obviously huge respect among inter county players in general like would you know many of the Galway lads would you know many of the Kerry lads like would you be texting anyone sort of after the game are you friendly with any of them um, I know it likes to come well like, I got to know the last couple of years um, just on social media and after games obviously I suppose we are close rivals and neighbours so I mean it's you come across these boys quite regularly uh, and my brother located me did well I know a couple of other guys like Hydrick and works with a couple of them as well so like even Keen O'Neill like he was our, our selector you know and I worked for poor choice well on the international routes like I've been throwing these guys a text wish them all the best you know because I suppose I got messed up these guys over the years when we played in finals of Mayo. So I think it's only nice that you know we show a bit of respect back. And in terms of Kerry lads, not so much. Probably um, they were probably a different generation to what, what I, I would have known the likes of David Moore and that night when they came through. And probably the likes of Kate for Sean O'Shea. That's another one we played against in the last couple of years, but wouldn't know them on a real personal level. But again, I got I got to see them live in action, so I know how good they are in terms of what they're doing for Kerry. So. Um, just looking forward to seeing these guys kind of show themselves on the biggest stage is, is what I'm looking forward to to be honest but yeah like I mean that's it was great to see the likes of you know you're looking at probably the two greatest hurlers in the, in the last few years Keane Lynch and TJ Reid and you can see that kind of respect between both and um, it's just nice a nice moment uh, touch moment to see that they respect each other much after a big game like that What, what does Keane bring to that goal we set up? Um, well, I suppose if you look at his record, he, he he's brought him to a final. He's done that with most teams, to be honest. Mm. Probably it's like there, but he brought him there to a, a good level as well. So I think it's just his knowledge of the game, his setup. Um, and I suppose because he's been around quite a while with different teams, uh, and he's probably know he knows a, a lot of the personnel he's come up against, he, he knows their traits and, and probably how to beat them. That's probably a huge plus for Galway. So he took on us, um, and, and he set up pretty well. And I am. Um, and obviously Gola with the Pytali factor as well it will be huge next day as well so I just think Keane brings he brings this kind of 
very much air confidence around around the squad. And I remember when we came in in twelve, Akeem was very new to ourselves. He's not afraid. He's not shy. He stamp his authority uh, and set out his stall straight away. So I think that's really suited Gola and their style. Uh, I don't think he's one to take a backward step. Uh, I say when he came in, he, he did set a stall out pretty early, and he doesn't care what way you set up or how. If it works and it wins, he's happy. So it is a results driven results driven game. So. I think Ian just brought that probably even that bit of physical edge to Galway and maybe that people have talked about over the last year that it was missing. You know, people always thought that Galway probably been excellent footballers, really flair attackers, but they kind of have that bit of steel about them this year and especially then the stretch, maybe if you looked at their bad game and, and even the dairy game to a degree when things weren't going well, you probably would have thought maybe Galway were, were going to suffer a little bit, but they never panicked. They look, they actually look quite comfortable at times, uh, even in their bad game, although it was pandemonium, he still felt that Gola had that bit extra if they needed and I think that's down to the key and key and only factor. Is is it partly also a defensive structure? Because, you know, obviously when Joyce came in he was like, oh, we're going to we're going to kick our way to the All-Ireland and then uh, everything happened since and they've actually gone significantly back in terms of uh, the old year under Kevin Walsh which was supposed to be repudiated by everything that Joyce was doing and then O'Neill comes in and suddenly the defensive structure seems to appear I don't know if that's like a coincidence or if he's actually centrally involved in that Uh, I think he'd be centrally involved in that Um, Keane's a big voice he's a big personality so I think that's a lot of that's around Keane's personality as well so he knows I think to be honest what it does with Galway it does suit Galway I know we're talking about their attack and they have that in their armory but I think for Gola, I think they look so much more comfortable in the way they're playing. And I look at the players like Kier Malloy, Daly, and um, even these lads, they look so much more confident in the way they're playing the football. Um, and then I think, you know, I think there is way more in Shane Wells to come. I think Kenshi could have a massive game Sunday. I think he was quite quiet the last games, albeit his freeze have been huge for Gola. Um, and he's getting the best of the likes of Rob Finley, Kenny McDay. These boys probably who weren't seeing huge amount of game time over the last three, four, five years are now some of their mainstays in the team. And I think that's down to the fact that Pork and Keane have, have come to probably a good agreement of how goalers should play. And and it's not like, I mean, we're talking about them set up defensively, but they're still putting up quite good tallies of scoring. Um, so I, I actually seen something on social media last night that like their, their average score per game is something like 217. So like that's still a big score to, to be putting up. Um, I think Kerry at something like 117. So it's, it's, it's going to be a tight tight game in terms of that. So like, I mean, I know we're talking about goal in defensive, but they're still racking up big tallies of scores. So I mean, their, their offensive side of things is quite good as well. So it's not like they're over-reliant on, on defensive play. Albeit now, it'll be very interesting to hear they're going to set up from the start against Kerry on Sunday with, with Kerry's attack. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because um, listening to uh, Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue talking about what's going to happen with Clifford, um, James O'Donoghue thinks as captain, Sean Kelly will be in the meeting saying, I'm going to take the responsibility on, I'm going to be the leader because, you know, he's supposed to go up against Clifford. Uh, That's the way the teams will be named. And if he doesn't, it's some kind of a, a signal to Kerry that actually we've had to make changes and move off our spot. Is that the right thing to do? Is it is it like important to kind of go, yeah, it's fine, I can do this as captain? Or does that matter? Should it actually just be whoever is the best marker goes on Clifford? I would definitely agree it has to be the best marker. I, I don't think it can be a, like a leadership thing that I, I can't really want to say I'm going to mark Clifford. That necessarily is not going to be a good matchup. Um, albeit, it's great that he can step up and say that. But I don't think it's going to be a, a set thing where one guy... It's going to take maybe a, a, a double team maybe at times. Like there'll be probably a set guy, Martin Clifford, be it Sean, it could be Sean Kelly, it could be Liam Sel- I don't know. 
still trying to figure that one out. But there, there, there's going to be a, half to, a lot of support, or especially from the halfback line in terms of Kieran Malloy and Daly dropping back into that space to help out. So it's not going to be just a, a, a 1v1 matchup where we're all going to say who's going to fight on top because if it is, and then Clifford's going to get on top. That's just the reality. Like he, he can mark Clifford as well as he can, but the reality is he's probably going to still clip you for three, four, five points, and that's probably a good day for defenders. So I think it's not just going to be a, a 1v1. I think it is going to be a lot of, a lot of the case where a lot of the goal, I suppose, support guys who are, are dropping back are going to help out if it's going to be Sean Kelly or Liam Smith or, or Jack Lenn. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a case where we're just going to see a 1v1 matchup for the full game. Will they, see, will they look at the Dublin game and maybe particularly the second half and learn from that? Um, definitely. The thing I, I'd worry probably from that point of view, and that, it's a probably a really positive for a goal, is that if goal were still in the game, 10 minutes in the second half, Kerry were blowing quite hard in that game in, against Dublin. So I think that's a huge source of positivity for Gola. Uh, and I don't think Gola are going to lack fitness or belief from that point of view. So I think if, they, if they're within touch of distance in the game, and listen, and that could mean Clifford or Sean O'Shea or Paddy, these guys have already clipped two or three points, but it doesn't matter if they're still within a score or, or four or five points going into the into the third quarter or late into the fourth quarter. I think they have a massive chance because Kerry, like they exhausted a huge amount of energy up to that third quarter against Dublin. And, and I... I it's funny, I, I read somewhere like Sean O'Shea had no pressure taking that kick. I think he had every bit of pressure to take that kick because I thought if he missed that and they win they lose an extra time, yeah. They lose, they lose an extra time. Were you I, surprised I by that league? Because they did look, I don't think it was a mental thing, they looked physically shot at the end. I think they just put so much into the first 40, 45 minutes, to be honest. I, I think they went so hard for, for them 45 minutes and, and they just seemed to, to stop. It was like, it was like they were getting lined up and they were falling down. Like, i never seen so many bodies in the last 10, 5, 10 minutes. So, Again, I don't have a shock. I, I like I take in the factor that the weather was warm, full house, all that kind of stuff. But like, I, I just I to be honest, the longer the game went on, the more I seen Dublin win that game. So I think that that is a concern for Jack these two weeks. Now, listen, you're not going to get any fitter or stronger or faster in these two weeks. I mean, the biggest thing for Kerry after a game of that that magnitude, and, and I suppose as Jack said, it was an emotional roller coaster. Is that it's just trying to get them grinding out for the for the last two weeks, and particularly these few days now, just getting the group together and make sure they're nice and relaxed going into the game because. I don't think there's much more I can do, but I do think it's a it's a huge source of confidence for Galway if they if they have them in the game in Melchipot that they'll see a huge opportunity to take them down. Uh, the other thing that um, has come up a lot is will there be high ball lorried in on top of the Galway goalkeeper and the Galway full back line given that Armagh got a lot of joy out of that in the last uh, eight ten minutes of, of that match. Derry didn't try it at all for whatever reason. We have seen them have uh, issues with it uh, even in the Connacht Championship as well. Um, I, I assume they will do that because at various stages in that first half against Dublin Sean O'Shea was playing left corner forward and well he was certainly in that left corner forward position and they were dragging defenders with him one stage James McCarthy was back marking him I was like that's not really where Dublin won James McCarthy and yeah. you had Clifford and Sean O'Shea in there it's like like all Kerry have to do at that stage let's just see let's just see what the nerves are like in that goalie full back line would you try that early on if you're Kerry? I would, yes. Um, and just if you're looking at the Derry game, for instance, I was saying, I suppose, Gola looked quite nervy in the first 10, 15 minutes against Derry. And it's totally, totally normal, I suppose, it's a big game. Um, so I'd be, at any chance, I'd be looking to get ball into Clifford, Sean O'Shea, if it's Paul Gini or Killian Splanda that are in there as well, I, I'd be looking to get them early and just see where Gola were at straight away. I suppose the good thing for Kerry, they've, they've been here before, they've, they've been in big finals, so... I think they'll be used to that kind of the atmosphere and, and the all-out uh, final prep. So 
if I were David Moore or Joe McConnor uh, or even Jack Barry starting next day, I'd be getting ball in as quick as possible. Just just to see where ball are at or how they're feeling. Uh, and if you get a couple of scores off it, then then it could be could be um, a, a tough first half for, for Gola. But that's the big question, I suppose, who's going to start midfield for, for Kerry. Are they going to look at Dave Moore or is it going to be Jack Jack Barry or Joe McConnor? So, but those boys need to get ball in ASAP. And I think Paulie Clifford's a smart enough player where he'll recognise that too. Um, and he's a big game player for, for Kerry. So, and he's one of the guys that you always look at him. He has the head up, looking inside to see can he get ball in straight away. So it's definitely going to be a, um, a big factor for Kerry in the first few minutes to see how much ball they can get into them two boys. So uh, let's expect that to happen. Uh, can Galway, is it possible that they have fixed that in the intervening period that obviously they know this is coming and so therefore you prepare for it? And like, it's a confidence thing, I suspect, as much as anything. It's not like technique. They, you know, they, they know how to defend high balls they just yeah. for whatever reason the confidence went for that particular 10-15 minutes I'd say we're done though at any time like, I suppose I remember they were putting the ball that Clifford caught in the first half it was just a lovely diagonal ball uh, 50-50 contest between Simons and, and Clifford and you know, Clifford came out of it so I mean that there's a huge scope there for Kerry and I remember when we played Kerry back in 14 David Moore and, and Danny Factor it was just get the ball into that diagonal on the D uh, even if he doesn't catch clean, you remember James Dunley coming off on the on a, on a loop, or and that could be a Sean O'Shea now. Like you like to Sean O'Shea and Clifford, they're, they're big lads. They're not small lads. They're tall men. Like so, I mean, it's definitely a it's definitely a tactic I've used early on in the game, especially if you're a bit nervy going into that game. So I mean, I'd be test that out, and even the kind of recent factor as well. I mean. You know, Kerry get a couple of early scores. I, I suspect that Kerry going to really attack Easton's kickouts next day as well. So mm. there's going to be a massive squeeze. And I remember we play Kerry as well. They do this kind of it's like a four-four, nearly two. They set up four inside, four half forward, and, and two in the middle. So if you see that early on, you can see there's going to be a massive squeeze in Conor Easton. And if they get that pressure on early and, and they win that battle, it could be a tough couple of opening minutes for for Gola. But again, I do think with the Gola factor, I don't think the panic. That's the one the guy knows a Gola this year particularly, and and that's that's then poor Joyce and Keane, I suppose. They they're pretty comfortable going behind. Uh, you know, the wintry new behind Derek Lasse, albeit they're playing quite poor, they, they actually never look like they're pressing the panic button. So I do suspect that Gola will get into the game, but I mean that's gonna be a huge factor for Kerry. If they can get on top early and see how much they can get ahead, we would see a Gola react so, in the same manner. Would you be more worried from a Galway's perspective about the kickouts then? Because like I mean, that's gonna be so important. Like whoever whoever has most of the ball probably wins. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a, a big talking point in the goal camp this week. Uh, I suppose Derry didn't really push them that. Uh, just it was a Derry game plan. I mean, we we knew, you know, I suppose they're they're set up at that stage. Uh, and if if Gola got ahead, then how would Derry going to react? And, and unfortunately, didn't have a game plan for that. So I don't think it's going to be the same case. I do think Kerry going to really attack Leeson's kick at the next day. And actually, funny enough, I think Kerry could do the same on Shane Ryan. Uh, they'll see that as um, maybe maybe a source income from themselves as well, that they put a bit of pressure on Shane Ryan from time to time, so yeah, he reacts in the big day as well. But I do think Kerry going to sniff blood there. I think it's one of their, it's one of their key traits now I've seen the last couple of years. That it's a high press, that four four two type press. Goal will go long, then, Lee? Or? I think go long, but I, I think goal are good a bit field. Mm-hmm. Paul Conroy who can fetch fantastic ball, but the, the key is, it's just if a David Moore is... is and Paul Conroy, we know I go David Moore in there as well. So that's, that's a big, big 50-50 battle as well. So... Um, but they're going to have to watch them to go long if there's something short you know like that's, that's, that's like I suppose you go a risk point of view and take on something short it doesn't go well you know we know the 14 final as someone said Durkin had nearly a full set of year of no mistakes on kickouts and the one kickout that went astray was a goal so um, I mean safety first sometimes has to take over everything you just have to default and go along and, and let the boys fight out for 50-50 ball and sometimes that's 
it's the best thing to do. Get the ball as far away from your goal as possible, especially if the likes of Clifford's on top already. Just get away from, from the danger zone as quick as possible. If you're trying to make the case for a Galway win, right, so obviously we, we've talked about the difficulties that they have in defence, but what what, uh, what will they be trying to inflict on Kerry? And when do they when do they do it? Because it was just a bit of a debate earlier with Andy McEntee and... Um, you know, he expects the first half to be super cagey. But part of me thinks if Galway are going to win this, actually a fast start is incredibly important to them in a way that it wasn't against Derry. Yeah. Um, well, I think if Galway starts like they did against Derry, um, then it could be a tough, tough half. I mean, like I suppose Derry have nowhere near the same quality as Kerry, obviously. Uh, but you just think of Kerry's attack and the way they're playing at the moment in terms of that, in that upper half. Uh, I think Kerry could reign if. Going to start the way, and I don't expect all that to be that KJO. I hope they come out, set their stall early, uh, and see how Kerry reacts. Uh, I don't think God are going to set up in a way that they're going to let Kerry attack them. I just don't think that's going to work for Gola. I think there is going to have to be some degree of risk in this game. I just don't think they can play safe not to win. Um, it is a fine left in the day. I mean, you, you can you can hold on for so long, but I just think with Kerry, even Kerry's bench, they've a lot of, a lot of quality in, in, in their attacking zone. So I'd like to see like the Shane Walsh or Homer or Kidding me, Dave, just break the line early, get a couple of scores, particularly Shane Welch. I want to see him take on his man a bit more. Uh, albeit it's going to be very difficult, I know. I, I, I sense the likes Thomas Sullivan's going to be struck some, uh, and that could be a good matchup. But there is so much more in Shane Welch's army that I think we need to see it in, in on Sunday. Um, particularly, I know McCluskey did a fine man marking role on the last day, but and Comer obviously had, had a good day, but they're going to need the likes of their leaders like that to step up the next day. So I, I do think Poor Joy is going to have a good game plan in terms of he's going to attack Kerry straight away. I just don't think they can sit back and, and let Kerry dictate terms conditions early on because I just think, I think Kerry are just too good. Um, so just to give Gola any any um, any chance to win. And I, do, and I, I generally honestly give Gola a great chance to win. And I said if, if they're down the stretch and there's a score to win it, they'll, they'll see a huge opportunity. But... I suppose, as you said, it's the start, it's the first half. How close can they beat Kerry or can they even get ahead of Kerry to give them that chance? Seems to be, just looking at the weather forecast, seems to be a reasonable prospect of rain as well as some contrast to the hurling like any what, what do you do in terms of coaching there if it is greasy ball remember that epic goal we carry from what year was Michael Meehan 2014 08 was it that long god my years are all over the shop we we had him on last week and one of the great performances in defeat us was in Core Park but Actually, Kerry and Gola played in the Super 8s on a bad day as well. Mm. And Gola came out on top on that day as well. And a lot of the same guys are playing from, I know, albeit the likes of Clifford Shawnee, these lads are a bit younger, but Gola came out on top that day and they, they played really well. So that could, that could be a huge factor in that. And that was a rain so cool park that day as well. So, I mean, there is that source of confidence if the weather isn't so good. Yeah. Um, do you just but get... again, your game plan does have to alter a little bit. Like, mm. I mean... Not hugely, but obviously you're taking conditions as a defender. Do you, do you play that bit safer? Do you play your, instead of playing maybe side to side or maybe some guys like to play in front that I, you have to think as a defender, do I play maybe that yard behind? I don't get turned or spun or I might slip. You know, even you seen Brendan Rogers last day on cover, he slipped and it was, it was a lovely day. You know? mm. So you maybe go a bit more default safety first as a defender and, and you play that bit safer. So therefore, and that's just taking into conditions. And we know Co Park on a really wet day. It is it's like an ice rink at time. So that does play a big factor in, in terms of defenders and, and how to defend. And I think that will pay into some of the guys next day. From, from, from your perspective, Lee, because like, like Mayo went to Co Park so many times, won games there, lost games there. Like, what, what's Galway's mentality in that these players have very, very little experience of Co Park um, and the, their experience of it this year are effectively... Um, two victories that were you know in the balance you could say uh, certainly uh, at times in the game and they came through it 
Whereas like the Mayo perspective was, um, I don't, was was there like a kind of a mental weight in terms of the the expectation that Mayo could win All Ireland? Is it is it different for Galway if that makes sense? Um, to a degree, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. Like, I mean, our expectation was always to win. Um, I mean, and if you don't have that expectation, then I don't, I, I wouldn't see the point of playing. You don't quite play to be second best. Uh, unfortunately, we were on the on the end of both sides long enough, and, and we weren't on the right side in finals. So, our, but our expectation was always going to win, be it Crow Park or anywhere. So, but I think the beauty for Galway um, coming into the final is they haven't been in, a, in the final twenty years, so there's none of that baggage with this current group. Um, and as you said, they've come through two Ulster teams. And I think anytime you get over Ulster teams, it, it, you're doing a good job. And I mean, particularly Armagh game, Armagh were kind of, they were all favourites going to that game. So they're going to come out on the right side of that in Crow Park. Um, is a big testament to Court Joyce and how he's got his guys playing for him. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's going to be a huge factor for Gola. My biggest factor for Gola is the nerves. Uh, and even watching the studio um, for the semi-final, it looked very nervy in the legs in the first 10 to 2 minutes. And again, it's very understandable. But when you're coming up against a team like Kerry, you have that experience, you, you can't wait around for 10 15 minutes because the game, the game the passed twice straight away. So that's my biggest factor. I don't think the factor of Cole Park and all that kind of stuff. I think Port Joyce is smart enough and he knows the game well enough and he's been there and he's done it. I think that'll be all reviewed and psychology, that'll be all out of the way early. I just think it's get your legs right for the first time. And it's easier said than done. It's a massive day. We all understand that. But you can't wait around for Kerry for 10 or 15 minutes so that the game's going to get weird from that. In a, in a word, who's going to win? I'm back in Kerry by three or four, but I do have this thing to have goaler again. I keep saying if they're down the stretch and the game's in the balance, I, I have this thing to goal up them. But at the moment, I'm just back in Kerry just slightly based on four power and the Jack Connor factor in the bits and pieces. So, yeah, that makes sense. Enjoy the game, Lee. Great to have you with us. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Always great to have Lee Keegan on talking to us about um, the ins and outs of the game. Uh, interesting stuff. It's, I think the 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 key word there he mentioned, without suggesting that Mayo um, didn't believe, was baggage. And go, we don't have any baggage going into this final. Um, you keep talking yourself into the, every 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 part of you is like it's like you've read the secret and you're trying to manifest this All Ireland victory. Galway football has been in a strange place sir, since. I mean, we spoke about like it's hard to describe what 1998 was like in in Galway. That that was just such an amazing time, and we had these marquee, beautiful footballers, um, including Park Joyce, and we had a county that was like so behind them, and it was amazing. 2001, that's it. 2001 was a lot more chilled out, from what I remember, because we were sort of expecting success, <laughs> and it's very very hard to believe. And there's there's definitely been a, a lot of people in the county who fell out of love with modern football in terms of. Always inability to uh, adapt, and it, it took Galway a long, long time. And I think we've had Kevin Walsh on a couple of times. Kevin was caught between a rock and a hard place, where he came from the old tradition, but had to make Galway into a far more defensive team, as you mentioned. Porrick Joyce didn't try to sort of marry marry the two of them and maybe play more expansive, but he's had to co- go back a little bit. But it's only now I think that Galway football fans are back somewhere to like it was in 98 where that they, they really are behind the team again because a lot of the traditionists in Galway and it's not like oh we're great in Galway but a lot of the traditionists in Galway really struggled with the way we were playing Alright OTBIM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day here's what we got on OTB Sports Radio for you today 1 o'clock OTB Gold is an Irish football special with Shea Given uh, Niall Quinn and Jason McAteer our latest episode of Koi Gig for the Euros is live from 3 o'clock today retro panel dealing with disappointment OTB Gold is Gooch the autobiography and the show is live tonight with Brian O'Driscoll joining there'll be an All-Ireland final preview special alongside Colin Boyle and Enda McGinley as well 
You can follow Off The Ball across our social channels, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and be sure to download the OTP Sports app for the very latest in sports content and analysis. We're back after the break with the 2014 All-Ireland winner, Barry John Keane of Kerry first. Here's Jack O'Connor talking ahead of the final and the threat that is Galway's Damien Comer. His boat play may be a similar style. You have brought in maybe that more defensive tactic. Is that something that Paddy Talley has brought in this year? A lot of people would throw his name around when we mentioned um, working defensively because last year I think they, they were the questions that people asked to Kerry that defensively they weren't strong enough. Uh, yeah, look, we have, we have, we have uh, three or four of us involved in the coaching and we all, we all contribute our own areas. But yeah, we, look, we've been happy enough with our defence this year that we've, we've been a bit, a bit tighter and a bit sounder. But, you know, Galway have some serious firepower and, and uh, have a lethal full forward line. So that system will be well tested Sunday. How do you stop Damien Comer? Uh, not easily, not easily, no. He's a powerful man, very direct and, uh, you know, was very, very good in the in, in, in the semi-final against a, uh, a renowned defence like, like, like Derry, so he's going to take serious watching. And they have a lot of experience on the line with Porrick Joyce? They have, and Keane O'Neill, you know, yeah. both both who have been at the cutting edge of this thing. Um, and... Uh, you know they they won't they won't like there, but they're they're an impressive team and they're they're a team that are improving all the time. So we're under no illusions about this one. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, we're delighted to be joined by the former Kerry footballer Barry John Keane ahead of the 2022 GA All-Ireland Senior Football Championship Final which takes place this Sunday in Croke Park alongside former Galway player Gary Sice. Barry John teamed up with AIB to look ahead to one of the hashtag the toughest matches of the year between Galway and Kerry. For updates on the match, exclusive content and behind-the-scenes action from the Football Championship follow AIB GA on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Barry John, how are you getting on? Thank you, Ben. Um, you've been poked and prodded by the media for the last 24 hours uh, what, what's the general tone of the line of questioning is it basically like how much are you going to win by um, no no, I'm, I'm kind of new to this now so um, <laughs> I'm not doing too bad so far um, no as the week goes on um, I've watched the two games back um, I think people are underestimating Galway but I think as I said already if Kerry bring the performance that is needed I think they, they should have enough the, we just had Lee Keegan on and and uh, himself and Johnny were both making the point that the first 40-45 minutes of the game against Dublin took a lot out of them and uh, they were not out on their feet but certainly Dublin came back into it part of me thinks that that is Kerry's ambition this year is to try and kill teams early to just reach a level of intensity that's so difficult for the opposition to live with that they've built that lead and in the case against Dublin it wasn't quite enough to get them over the line they needed some heroics from Shawnee in the last uh, seconds but is, the, is that is there a feeling that like actually if Kerry do get a lead they'll be able to manage a game um, yeah I suppose in, in the last year they, the, the, the only test they probably did get was the Dublin game Um the, the Mayo game, if you look back on it, the first 50 minutes, Mayo were in the game and they got their purple patch and I suppose they didn't take their chances. Now, if Conroy and O'Donnell were there, who were their main marksmen, they might have um, they might have made the game more interesting going down the last going down the last 50 minutes. But in the Dublin game, over the last 10 years, every time you meet them, it's, you know the purple patch is coming. So you have to just, I don't know, ride it out maybe. Um, the goal, if Shawnee got the penalty... It would have given them a bit more breathing space. They might have been able to set up a bit differently. But I think they plugged away. Um, 
they didn't force anything in the last 20 minutes. Um, they kept possession. They took their scores. There might have been goal chances on my party. It was true, but he took a point. He knew how uh, clinical that would have been. And look, the Dub- Dublin are, are, are champions seven or eight times for no reason. They brought it back. And luckily enough, we got the rubber green with the, the free at the end, mostly. It, it was on the other side for the last few years. Are you concerned about Galway? Um, yeah, I'll, to be to be honest, I think they're well set up. Um, I think the Galway, the Galway that we were we were used to show the last ten minutes of extra time against Armagh, they were up was it six or seven points, and they they just they just left them back into it. Um, they held on an extra time, getting over that with the penalties was probably massive. But especially the last day, it was kind of similar Galway the last few years. They're down three points, a bit shaky, but they they, they held to the game plan. Um, they got in for all, and it, even though it was a draw, it seemed like they were in the driving seat, and they, they took the game into their own uh, control then and sought out. So they're just going to be coming in with loads of confidence. I don't think they're going to think, oh, we have a free shot here. Um, they're still going to be hurt. I know it's a while back, but Kerry gave them a, a demolition in Tralee. Mm. So they're going to learn a few things. And as I just heard there, Jack said... Um, Padre Joyce is around a long while. Keen O'Neill has been with all the top teams, so he'll have his homework, his homework done for Kerry as well. Are, are Kerry in any way bruised from last year when obviously, you know, they were basically supposed to win the All-Ireland and it just collapsed on them? Um, I don't think so. Look, uh, after big losses like that and even at any level, you'll probably dissect it for a week and you can't just live off it. You try to learn off it, take a few things out of it and, uh, and just move on and improve and I, I said if they, they, they freshened up they freshened up the, the management the two players have come in and I think they've just put last year last year behind them and tried to improve and, and they have to be fair I know they haven't been tested in Munster and um, probably the Dublin game was the only real test they've had so the next day it's going to bring different the lads are going to set up well Galway and if Comer and Shane Walsh can can put in a performance that people know they can it, it, it could go down to the stretch but if Kerry get in control of their two main forwards and they can get enough possession into the lads, then Kerry Kerry should should be okay. It's mad looking at that game in Tralee, May 15th, 2021. Kerry 421, Galway 11 points. Sensational Clifford grabs 3-6, so he got 15 points, Galway got 11. And, uh, I mean, is, is there any relevance at all now? Yeah, to, yeah, is that, there... that could totally happen again this well, weekend. That's like, that is on the cards. This is the coming out party for the greatest footballer of all time. To, over to and, you, are you on? Yeah, I can, but if you go back to last year, Tyrone kind of got the same, the same touch in um, Killarney. Did they consider six or seven goals, and then COVID, COVID hit, and there was a bit of a break, and then Kerry probably were waiting around for two weeks when Tyrone got their their break, and it was rescheduled. And look, they got caught up. Kerry had the chances that day; they had goal chances they didn't take, and Tyrone got into extra time and scored scored the big scores at clinical time. So. Uh, it's it can be controlled in a way. I think Kerry has set up better uh, in the last few years. I think they're more. Um, I wouldn't say defensively, but they're 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 being Paddy Talley probably has brought implemented a more tactic and tried to break on the counter. Galway have done the same. Um, Derry would have tested that. Um, I thought Derry were probably my team was the championship coming out of Ulster. And to be fair, for the first forty minutes they looked fine, but then Galway just took over. So that's a big that's a big plus for Galway that they might have gone up another level as well. So it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. What's the build up being like down there? You're you're notoriously chilled out about all aspects of life down there. Yeah, the, the years I was involved, it was probably a bit more. No, I was in the probably in the bubble, but there was more atmosphere. But I think 
I think Kerry know they, they got over Dublin but the job isn't done yet so um, maybe this week now we'll pick up a little bit but there's, other than tickets there's not much there's not much talk other than maybe Gavin White is touching and going other than that there's there's nothing coming out of the camp Yeah we're hearing Gavin White's probably going to be fit to play that's that's the rumour compared with like after the game it's like oh he's definitely gone so that's a big boost for them if he is fit Yeah well Paul Murphy will probably slot in anyway or Gavin Crowley if he's not but two very good players but different type of players um, I think Galway will be happy to see Gavin White injured because he can he can break that line he has that power um, so time will tell um, I think I don't think Kerry will change much besides that injury um, Darren Minan might come in for the American, whichever way Kerry want to go at it um, so like I said there's not much there's not much coming out of it I can In the Ireland final that you guys won against um, against Donegal it was a very tight cagey match and uh, I mean, I kind of I think we probably expected that with that Donegal team anyway. Galway can do the same. They can also play it tight and cagey or they can get into a shootout. Which of these is more likely, do you think? Uh, I, uh, I think I think both could happen. I think the first 20 minutes, I think both teams are going to be um, just get, get their assaults set up at the back and try to take oxygen off both sets of forwards, try to man-to-man Clifford, man-to-man Comer and a bit of help and vice versa vice versa above um, and I think I think like like last weekend the goal there heavily no one knew the goal was going to come that quick and it just opened the game up and there was fireworks so I agree with you Galway can Galway can play both ways but I think Kerry have more um, individual forwards that can score than, than, than Galway and that's going to tip it in their favour and that's why they're favourites and that's why they're going to win uh, I presume so. They're not going to be looking at that way. They're just—I mm-hmm. I think they're just going to. The performance is the main thing for Kerry. They know the first twenty minutes are going to be probably something they haven't seen yet this year as defensively. Um, how Jack sets them up on the counter if they're going to bring back Shane Walsh and Comer, and then they're going to run it because you see the way Coral Finn player are playing. There's three or four in boys there. They can run the ball and yeah, they don't—they don't cough it up easily. Like they don't just pass it for the sake of passing it. So that's the other thing. Are Kerry going to leave one or two back just in case or push up? Um, we've seen in games similar this year that there's nearly there's nearly 28, uh, 30 players. The keeper's nearly up most of the time inside one half. So there's a lot of space. Whoever wants to break into that, then is that's up to them if they want to take that gamble. Just don't bring the goalie out. Yeah, the goal. Yeah, from the last. <laughs> He was brave enough. I thought he was brave enough coming up. Never mind having a pot. <laughs> uh, are there tickets floating around? It seems like the, the demand is a little bit less than in some previous years. Yes, I know. I, I think uh, yesterday there was a collection and it, it was busy. It was busy getting them. But I think there, there's another um, another lot coming maybe Thursday. So I'm not too sure. But I, I think Galway, whatever they get, I think Galway will travel like what is it, 20, 21 years, like they'll, they'll, they'll bring as much as they can and bring as much colour as they can. Kerry, Kerry will Kerry will travel, but it's, there's still that, I wouldn't say nerves, but this one has to get over the line like the Dublin game. Um, leading up to that, no one was saying, no one was saying we, 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 about losing. They just, we have to win. It was, we have to win. It was, we can look at another year of rebuilding again and going at it because to be fair, looking back at the game again, as much as Kerry won, it could have went the other way. And you stick Conor Callan in there, like they're not going away. No, not for now, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to that one next year. Barry John, enjoy the game. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. No problem. Thank you. That's uh, Barry John Keane there as um, part of AIB's The Toughest Campaign. Right. 
Uh, we're live every morning with uh, Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Back tomorrow morning at half past seven. A Galway preview special ahead of the All-Ireland Senior Football Final. So long as Owen Sheehan can make it there, he's had some car trouble along the way. There you go, yeah. Um, it's like the, the British rail, not made for the weather. We'll see Lots what the great man is doing Sunday. Um, Lots of people up from home um, will carry travel. I mean, if you're not going to travel for an All-Ireland final, you travel for anything. I know there is a cost of living crisis, but Royal I believe Ar- they've done new trains to bring you up and back on the day and so on, which is a big help. Royal Armour says, there's not a premium corner forward in the country who doesn't get attention. Walsh and Comer are well able to handle themselves and no shrinking violets. Walsh can't be anonymous for 70 minutes. He, I don't think he was anonymous. Sir, no, no. And Again, it is when Shane Walsh is, is being double marked, that does create spaces elsewhere. You mentioned it, Ger, that keeps possession, all the attacks come down his side. Totally, you know. and he's um, he's freeze. Sorry, he's freeze against Derry. And you, 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 I mean, you can't downplay how important no. and how amazingly good he is. Um, and th- there is that moment where you do wonder, like Shane Walsh's pass. I mean, we spoke about Sharma Grover's giving a goal away in the fourth minute of injury. From Shane Walsh's pass to to lose possession against Armagh. I mean, but that could have been catastrophic. Away. And then. You know, it worked out in the end. Big coach owns. Uh, Philip Nolan says, I'm not sure any Galway forward would start for Dublin. Philip has obviously not watched any football <laughs> this year where the toothless Dublin full forward line, uh, I mean, Shane Walsh would start, Comer would start. Uh, you know, if, if, if Comer had been playing for the Dubs in the semi-final, Dublin with Comer would be in the All-Ireland final. Mm. I think Finnerty will have a better game Sunday. We have good forwards. Um, we, have, we have good forwards. We won't be lacking in that department. OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow With the new Gillette Labs Razor With exfoliating bar 